The following is a presentation of the Michigan Sports Network. Wednesdays on the Huge Radio Network are presented by the Michigan High School Athletic Association. You can follow everything about high school sports 24-7 at MHSAA.com, at MHSAA on Twitter, and MHSAA on Facebook. Wednesdays on the Huge Show are presented by the Michigan High School Athletic Association. Are you ready for huge opinions on the Lions, Tigers, Wings, Pistons, Michigan, MSU, and every sports team in the state of Michigan? It's time for the Huge Show. From the east side to the west side to the UP, the Huge Show is on air statewide on the Michigan Sports Network. Voice your huge opinions now at 1-866-838-HUGE. That's 1-866-838-4843. You ready? Now, let's go to the Auto Value Bumper to Bumper Parts Studio with the huge one, Bill Simonson. What's up, Michigan? It's our number one on a Wednesday broadcast on the only show willing to tell it like it is. Superfly Hayes, our executive producer. In a few moments, Scott Harris, the new Tigers president. My conversation with him on where the team is at, what they need, and what the near and long-term plan is for the Tigers. That will be coming up. Remember, if you miss any interview, any podcast, just search The Huge Show where you download podcasts. I do want to welcome in one of the best hires, uh, the Tigers, probably cornerstone hires that I remember. Sparky Anderson, uh, Pudge Rodriguez uh, was a cornerstone hire when they were rock bottom, and then they gave us 2006 through 2014. I thought A.J. Hinch was a big hire uh, last year, a well, year and a half ago. And then when I got wind out of nowhere that Scott Harris was leaving the San Francisco Giants, where as GM he had really built a great organization, helped build a great organization. He now would be the Tigers' president of baseball operations. I called Ben or emailed him inside the Tigers' front office and said, I need to talk to the guy. So I do want to welcome in the new president of baseball operations for your Detroit Tigers. Mr. Scott Harris joins us here on the Huge Show across Michigan. Welcome in, Scott. Hey, Bill. How you doing? Good. Uh, so, you're there in San Francisco. Uh, Giants have one of the premier uh, programs, big league level minor leagues. Uh, when do you get that call or somebody reaches out to you and says, you know what, Chris Illich and the Tigers are interested in you moving to Detroit and running the Tigers? <laughs> it's funny you ask. We, uh, we were in Minnesota and uh, the Giants were playing the twins and I was walking into target field uh, for the start of that series. And my phone rang and it said Illich holdings on it. And I thought to myself, man, I better answer this call. So that's how I first heard about it. So they kind of gauge your interest a little bit to see if there's something there. And it begins a conversation that led to your introductory press conference. Uh, The big reason, and I I liked what you said uh, when you met the media, uh, on why you took this job. For the people listening across Michigan who didn't hear that, why did you make that move from the Giants to the Tigers? You know, it was a, it was a really tough decision for me. Uh, not only had the Giants organization um, been an excellent uh, group to be a part of, but I grew up in that area. I grew up just south of San Francisco. 
Um, I think the reason I, I decided to leave was as soon as I got to Detroit for the interview, it just felt different here. You know, when I, when I landed and I started walking around with Chris Illich and hearing about his vision for the organization and seeing the passion that the fan base had for this team, it just felt a little different to me. As I dug a little bit deeper into the organization and noticed, um, you know, the commitment that ownership has to winning, the young players that exist, the, uh, the uh, you know, potential to, um, you know, earn our way to the top of this division and the resources that were going to be provided, you know, it just it felt like an opportunity that was too good to pass up. And uh, I'm really thrilled that they trusted me to uh, take this position and I can't wait to run with it. You know, Scott, I've always told everybody in my, I'm from West Michigan, love the state, but, you know, in my radio work, I've worked all across the country and for ESPN Radio and CBS Sports Radio, but there's something unique. And I do a statewide sports show and we talk about the Detroit teams and the, you know, state schools and the state high schools and sports athletes and stories. This state and the Detroit metro area you have about what I call five spots in sports. New York, obviously, Boston, Chicago. Uh, I, I think, uh, you know, Philly to a point uh, where there, there are just diehard traditional fans who love your team no matter what. They may complain. They may not show up uh, if it's a bad season or not what they expected. But the passion uh, that sports fans in the state of Michigan have for their teams I admire it and hear it every day. I feel the same way. Uh, you can't take that for granted. That is special when that exists in a city. Um, and I, I've seen it firsthand. That exists here. Uh, Detroiters love their sports teams. You know, I, in fact, as soon as I got here, I felt like I was uh, being pulled in, the, uh, in college football. I had the Spartans pulling me towards them. I had uh, the Wolverines pulling me towards them. I'm trying very hard to stay in the middle right now. Um, but it speaks to the passion that, um, you know, Detroiters have for their sports teams. And I know um, when it comes to the Tigers, it's a whole ne- another level of fandom and passion and, and energy. And uh, I, I've certainly felt that um, in my short time here and can't wait to, uh, to see more of it going forward. Yeah, because you have the California roots and you grew up in Menlo Park, like you mentioned, Redwood City, uh, south of San Francisco went to UCLA. So now uh, with UCLA and USC, uh, you're part of the Big Ten family. You really didn't move that far, Scotty. Yeah, I think the Big Ten's taken everyone. They took UCLA, they took USC, yeah. they took me. So I'm happy to be here. All right, so uh, biggest challenge. Uh, just uh, early on and when you were looking into taking this job, uh, what do you think is your biggest challenge in making the Tigers a champion again? You know, I think there's a lot of work to do here. Um, if we're going to get to where we want to go, we're going to need contributions from up and down the organization. I think, you know, our primary focus, as I outlined in the press conference, is uh, taking control of the strike zone on, on both sides of the ball. We need to uh, find players that can dominate the strike zone, and we have to develop the players that we have now um, to make sure that they're in position to dominate the strike zone. If we can build a team that dominates the strike zone, we're going to win a lot of games here in Detroit. I think that's the primary focus right now, uh, but there's a lot of work to do this winter and beyond to uh, make sure that we put this team in a position to win consistently. You know, my brother was a second-round pick of the Brewers back in the early 80s, and he runs a baseball academy, and he hates the launch angle. He thinks it's killing swings <laughs> across America. He thinks there's too much analytics. You need a balance, and the launch angle 
He says there's a different look to swings and major leaguers. Uh, you wouldn't see it with Aaron Judge. Uh, but uh, your thoughts on the launch angle uh, and also how much analytics will play a part moving forward with Scott Harris as the Tigers president? Yeah, I, I agree with him. We need to find a balance. Uh, you know, one thing that I think is misunderstood about uh, analytics is that uh, it's not a totally different way to evaluate players. It's just an additional source of information that can help us make better decisions. Um, when, when, I, when I look at analytics, I just look at it as part of the puzzle. You know, it can measure some things that we can't see, but uh, scouting can see uh, some things that we can't measure. And we need to look at every source of information if we're going to make healthy decisions here that, that are going to help us build a good baseball team. Um, with respect to the launch angle, um, you know, I think that has become um, – uh, there's, there's been a little bit of a stigma surrounding that recently. I think the uh, underlying logic is, you know, ground balls are out in the big leagues. These defenders are, are too talented. They're too athletic, and they're positioned well to turn ground balls into outs. So we want players that can lift the ball. We want players that can hit the ball hard and in the air. And sometimes that's, I think, oversimplified into you know, trying to find an optimal launch angle. I don't really look at it like that. Uh, I want to find players that can you know, first dominate the strike zone that we were just talking about, and they can make loud contact in the air. And so that's what I'm going to be focused on when we're building an offense here. Scott Harris is president of baseball operations for the Illich Family and also your Detroit Tigers joining us on the Meyer Guest Line here on the Huge Show across Michigan. Uh, looking at your resume, you worked in the Major League Baseball office. You interned with the Nats and the Reds and worked under uh, Theo Epstein, uh, Chicago Cubs, uh, inside their operations and their front office. Uh, who'd you learn the most from? Where, where we sit today having this conversation on the Huge Show? Who gave Scott Harris uh, the best lesson on how to build a winner? I don't know if I can answer that question. I owe my career to a lot of people that I've worked with. You know, some that come to mind are, are Theo Epstein, Jed Hoyer, uh, and Farhan Zaidi. Uh, I learned a lot from all, all three of those guys and, and many more who um, aren't necessarily household names. I think some of the things that I learned that helped me along the way is, you know, Theo and, and Jed taught me that culture can be a competitive advantage. If we're going to build a healthy court, culture that's, that's forward-thinking and that's challenging us to – think about ways to differentiate ourselves as an organization, that can be a sustainable competitive advantage for us. You know, we can learn how to teach, you know, for, uh, for example, a better slider to some of our pitchers, but the rest of the league is going to catch up. We can learn how to position our, our defenders a little bit better than the rest of the league, but the league is going to catch up. However, if we have a culture that is always forward thinking and innovative, that is something that's going to be a sustainable competitive advantage for us, and it's going to help us find new ways to always put um, the Tigers in a position to be better than the field. You know, I learned countless other lessons from all three of those guys and many more, but that's the first one that I think comes to mind. When you sat down with Chris Illich and you started to talk about taking the job and things you were looking for, uh, how much did salary cap, uh, salary money, portioned out for free agents. How much was that part of the conversation from Scott Harris to Mr. Illich? We definitely talked about it. You know, I think um, as we were talking about it, I understood that the Illich family has 
a strong commitment to winning here, that they are going to provide the resources we need. But I also understood that it's on me to come up with compelling opportunities to make this team better. If I come up with compelling opportunities to, to get better, I know that the Illich family is going to be behind us and they're going to provide all the resources that we need. So when you said yes to this job, it was green light, green light, green light. Everything was a go in terms of uh, you having full control of baseball operations with the Tigers. Yeah, the only red light was winter. I don't know if I'm ready for that. No, Uh, I'm not ready either. So, Scott, what we'll do is we'll do the show uh, from California uh, during the winter, and you'll work remotely, and I'll do the huge show every day from California. Sounds great. Where do I sign up? Yeah, amen. Uh, Free agency this winter. I know you're just on the job, so it's tough to really break down a really disappointing baseball season uh, for the Tigers Nation uh, but uh, will you be active in free agency, or is it too early to even go there? I think we're going to be active in all avenues to get better players. Um, we're also going to be active in developing the players that we have. So I can't really comment for a variety of reasons on specific individuals. I also uh, am working with our existing staff here to identify the profiles that we will be targeting. Um, but rest assured, we are going to be very active um, throughout my tenure here with Detroit because I think there are always opportunities to get better and we're going to work very hard to uh, seize every opportunity that we're presented with. You know, Scott, uh, different voices, change in leadership can really spark a team, a business, a family, uh, a school, uh, any level. And I really, really mean this sincerely, and I'm a pretty straight shooter when it comes to sports in this state. I, I love the hire. I love your resume. I love what... You did with the Giants and the culture and the team and the mix between free agents and maximizing the farm system. And I look forward to more conversations and uh, seeing what the product is on the field and off the field in Detroit. Thanks, Bill. That means a lot to me. Let me know when you're uh, back in the ballpark. I'd love to meet you in person. Yeah, you bet. I'll I'll talk to Ben and uh, we'll do that. I'll sit down there and give you my breakdown on every player, uh, every game, okay? Sounds good. Tell me which free agents to sign, okay? Okay, I'm going to do all that. I'm I'm basically your general manager. You're going to hire me. I will do I a press conference. Now, oh, well, that, that's one other thing I wanted to ask you. Uh, you will hire a GM, right? I intend to. I, I don't have a timeline for that decision. There's a lot of work to be done um, to assess this organization and, and the the strengths and then the areas of improvement before I can identify a skill set uh, that I need. But I intend to, to hire a GM, and you know, it might be you, Bill. That'd be that could be like a Disney movie. <laughs> <laughs> sounds great. Thanks for having me on. Have a great weekend. Right, Scott Harris. He sounds like he's what, thirty-five? From St. Joseph to Midland. This show is huge. Dirty oil can easily wreak havoc on your vehicle's engine, so be sure to change the oil at recommended intervals. And for a motor oil that outperforms conventional and synthetic blends, try Mobile One, the full synthetic motor oil that keeps your engine running like new. Ask for Mobile One at your local Auto Value Auto Parts store. And don't forget to pick up a Wix XP oil filter to complete the job. Because when it comes to oil changes, we've got you covered at Auto Value, where service is the difference. We get it. Huge here for the Michigan High School Athletic Association. You can stay up to date on the latest from Lansing 24-7 at MHSAA.com. At MHSAA on Twitter and MHSAA 
on Facebook. The latest news, press releases, and stories connected to every high school in the state of Michigan, available for you 24-7 from the Michigan High School Athletic Association. Log on to MHSAA.com, at MHSAA on Twitter, and MHSAA on Facebook. And if you're looking for archive boys and girls, high school sports, MHSAA.TV. That's MHSAA.TV. 24-7, everything you need to know about high school sports in Michigan. Log on to MHSAA.com. You're listening to The Huge Show on the Michigan Sports Network. We are back on the huge show across Michigan. Superfly Hayes, our executive producer, as we originate from the Auto Value Bumper to Bumper Parts Store Studios. Now, we just had the conversation with Tigers president Scott Harris, a new hire. And earlier, I had the chance to talk with former major leaguer John Vanderwall about the new president and about the team. The guy isn't a cookie cutter guy. He kind of has the way he's done it at different stops and working under Epstein and uh, with the Giants, and he's moving fast right now on getting rid of a lot of the names that you, I'll give you credit on your Facebook page to me personally when we're talking via text or uh, the Facebook messenger. The first guys to go were the guys you talked about. Well, he's coming in new. Uh, as a new president, he's going to put his own guys in. So you got to give him a shot. Uh, he's been with Theo. He's been with... See, the, all this stuff started like back in 2012. 2012 was when the game really, really started to change. So you have all these young kids that came in as interns who... Off the of billy ball, right? Well, I guess. Ball, yeah, right? so they all got they all came in as interns. They worked their way up, and now, 10 years later, they run baseball. So you have a guy who has... Who is, Part of this system, so uh, he's going to bring his own guys in. There were some interesting guys he brought in. The guy from Tampa, I think, uh, on the outset, looks really, really good. Tampa's really been a, a an organization that's really thrived um, in this analytical slash old school type of baseball. They blend stuff in, and uh, I've talked to guys over there uh, that that's what they did. They started off in the analytical side. They realized that you can't do that. Um, be totally analytical. Totally right? analytical. Well, that's what Detroit did. You know, that's what they just started to do two years ago. I can get into that in a little bit, but they realized you can't do that. So they blended old school with analytics. There are some really, really good tech stuff, but you just can't throw out. You just can't throw out the old school, which a lot of these people did because they felt threatened because they don't know the game. They didn't know the game like. Guys like me, like the old school guys, know the game, so they wanted to get them out, and they did get them out. And you're seeing it on, especially on the offensive side, how it, it's absolutely killed baseball. So you mean in, in terms of the is it the launch angle swing? Uh, it's a launch angle swing. It's it's these hitting gurus online. It's it's collapse the backside. It's try to get on plane on the backside and swing upward. It's all this techno technological garbage that they feel comfortable with because, um, you know, they don't know the game. They were the last guy on the playground to get picked, and now they are the ones running the show, and they don't understand what's going on 
uh, within the game in a lot of instances, and uh, they got their guys in that they felt comfortable with. Well, getting the Jays' longtime scouting director, Rob Metzler, Scott Harris, I go back to my first and only conversation with him about a week after he got the job on the huge show across Michigan, and what struck me was that he talked about that blend. Yes, we're going to use analytics. Baseball's been built on analytics. There's averages, right? There's numbers. There's fielding percentages, uh, on-base percentages. But we need to blend the natural talent with the analytics with also the gut feeling of people we put in charge of teams for in-game strategy. Absolutely. Uh, but uh, if that's what he is saying and that's what he goes by, then I'll tell you what, you've, we've, got, you've got a good We've got a good one. I'm going to say we've got a good one as a Tiger fan because we, you need someone up there who will blend it, who truly will blend it, and will not just go to the analytics side because uh, it is on, on the hitting side anyway. It, it's on its way out. So the Tigers were living by analytics only? Well, the Tigers were just the Tigers. They so weren't what was, doing anything. what was wrong with Avila in terms of uh, him, his front office personnel? What were they doing wrong? Well, they were always, the, the Tigers, When I even when I got there my first year in, in uh, I believe it was 2018 was my first year. Uh, when I when I first got in, the guys were going, you, you know, Dave Liffle came in and really did do a lot of really good things and, and did clean up the minor leagues. But the lot, the minor leagues were a mess, and Al Vila was part of that mess. Um, in you know from 2010 or whenever he was, he was part of the, the minor league side. So they brought in, they started paying their coaches a little bit more, and then suddenly. Um, Chris Illich decided to say, okay, we're going to spend a lot of money in the minor leagues, and they brought all of this analytic stuff in, and they just they just put a fire hose into the minor league system where a lot of people didn't even understand what was going on. Um, they didn't even know what's going on. So they were already four or five years behind the eight ball when they, when they did that. Uh, they tried to throw it all in in a year, and they got caught. And I, I, I believe on the, the, the analytic side, on the pitching side, it, it really has done some pretty good stuff. Um, on the hitting side, has been an absolute disaster, as you've seen within what the Yankees strike out fifty times in four games, and the Yankees are were one of the tech companies and that's who came close in. Season when you're supposed yeah. to put the bat on the ball, but the Yankees were one of the leaders coming in with a tech company. People probably know who they are, who brought in all these tech six month certifications from this place, and I and it they flooded their organization with it, and they lived and died with it and it and it, it actually it was really embarrassing to watch them play and you're a former yankee i'm a former yankee i love the yankee i love new york but it was absolutely embarrassing i've had i've got uh friends who were in that organization who left because they saw it coming that they were hiring they were hiring people within the offensive within the hitting game who had no baseball experience and they were running they were running programs they're running running the minor leagues it it caught up to them and uh, it was really bad. It's been, that, that was horrible what happened to them. So basically, what you're saying is Al Avila let these analytical guys just run free throughout the minor league system. So the question is, how did that affect the major league ball club in terms of a massive underachieving season? Well, that's a great question, and 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 I and I've been thinking about this because I at first I was like, okay. You know, Scotty Kubel, he couldn't have been with this collapse the backside, swing upward. But then I started hearing 
hearing through the summer that, hey, he was the guy who worked with what's his name, Grossman. And he got him, supposedly got him going last year. Well, he got him going and he couldn't get him out of it this year. I mean, and Grossman leaves and gets to a new hitting instructor and tears the cover off the baseball, hit, hit well for the Braves. Yeah, the, well, I, I think he did in the beginning. I don't know how it, it all totally ended right. up, but yeah, he did. He's there was improvement. Right. Improvement, you're right. So, but then I, I'm starting to look at it. I'm looking at all of these, um, most of the hitters in that. In that lineup, were except Miguel wasn't, but there were some older guys who who stayed with their within themselves. But you seen uphill, collapse the backside, barrel in and out of the zone all throughout the lineup. So I've had people who have contacted me, and uh, I was really shocked at what I had heard that interns were going to the young kids and telling them how to hit. So. They were on the iPad telling them, hey, this is what you got to do. This is what we think you do. Well, if you're a young kid in a big league team, you want to please people. You want to do what they're telling you to do. The sad thing about it was is that so this these is young, going on not in the minor league. No, level. This is big leagues. So in Detroit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. So, so, so in turn, like, are being sent as so messengers like, from somebody, right? So, like, Joe Smith, who graduated from Western with a sports admin degree, who's an intern, is suddenly on an iPad and got authority and telling guys, well, hey, Trying this to is... Trying Torkelson how to hit? I'm not going to say who, but yeah, there was some, there's some guys. So they were telling guys... So these guys want to please people. They want to say, hey, we want to be good. We want to be, hey, a good citizen to the organization. So they were going with it while these kids struggled. I mean, they, they, they really, really struggled. And you could see, I mean, I, I'm watching baseball games. I'm going, these kids aren't this bad. So what, what did you see as a, a former major leaguer and John Vanderwald joining us in studio out of Hudsonville on the west side of the state? Uh, played at Western, right? Yep. Western and then on to the big leagues with uh, Giants. Well, Expos, right? Yep, Expos, Ex- Rockies. I'll- Rockies, I forgot. I'll leave out the Rockies, Giants, Padres, Yankees. Uh, he he taught Barry Bonds and Jeter how to hit. That was interesting. Well, no, I didn't. But I'll tell you what, Barry Bonds <laughs> is the best hitter ever. There's no well, And people question. still won't uh, because they... I, he'll, I, he'll get they're, they're trying to. I had buddies while we're golfing argue that Aaron Judge is a better hitter than Bonds. And I... Oh, my gosh. I, I went crazy. No. I said, are close. you kidding me? Not even close. I, yeah. Put anybody in a band box like uh, Yankee, the new Yankee Stadium. And if you have any well, power... Well, if you'd have put Barry Bonds in, in either 90, Yankee Stadium, he'd hit 100. 100 home runs? Yeah. He'd hit 100. Because, I mean, San Francisco is the toughest place to hit in baseball. Because of the wind? And he has 70, what, 74? Father changes so much, Yeah, I mean, right? so it can be, like, sunny and 71 for 4 o'clock BP. And at 7 o'clock, the gas heaters are on in July, and it's uh, cloudy, misty, and 53 degrees at, at game, game time. time. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, he played with Bonds. Every night, every night in July and August, it's like that. It's were, were you in the cab? That, uh, I don't know if I asked you this last summer. Did you get into the, the captain, the series? I didn't. Did you watch it? No, I didn't. You know, I did. Do you watch a lot of baseball now that you're done playing? I watched a lot of Tiger games. Um, so why were they so bad hitting, you think? Why, why were they so bad as a team this year? I think, and this is my opinion, I think that they let analytics come in. And I th- and run everything and run everything, and they got bit and they got bit hard. 
That's what I, that's because if you know baseball and you know hitting, you watch their swings and they, and you watch them day in and day out and you want to vomit. For a team, for a team that lost their entire starting rotation, they lost all five guys. That is death. I mean, in April, they were done. However, the hitting was so bad in baseball for the majority of the teams that they could compete with a triple A rotation and they did if they would hit any inkling they would have probably won 70 games i was shocked that they only won 66 because to start that roster was actually pretty good they had it was it was kind of i mean they had enough pitching to survive to win 70 71 72 73 games and if it wasn't for their last what 10 days where they did actually put a run on um they lost 100 games so that run though happened after avila's fired Uh, so do you think that these guys were just able to go up there and swing, and there wasn't the mental stuff in their head on analytics, and that's why they had a decent run? Or were they all saying, hey, we better do something because Harris is watching us? No, right? I think it's baseball, and they were bound. They couldn't be that bad for that long. It's just numbers. They I mean, were bad. They were horrible. And you can't be that bad. Even, I mean, I've been on some bad teams. I was the Pirates, the Brewers. We, we we I forgot were, the Pirates and the Brewers, too. My God, you've been on like I know, I've been, I've 30 been major league teams. But I've been on some bad teams, and you are bound for a run sooner or later. When 8 of 10, 9 of 10, 10. I mean, you're bound to do it. It doesn't matter how bad you are. You are going to get on a run eventually. They did, and they did it at the end. Um, so, they, it, it, so, what, they went 66? I mean... They, they at least at least they did get on a run at the end. Can they flip it quick, uh, yes. Harris? Can they uh, can they be a five hundred team next? year? I think next year they've got a good shot at five hundred. I, I really do. Just I, because when they move away from total analytics to a blend and they have new leadership. Yes, I, I'm still kind of shocked. I mean, yes, the, absolutely they can. I they're not as bad as what they were, and they better not. I mean, I'm going to say better not. I would not get a, get rid of Candelario. Um, Alex Padu. I mean, really? they've got uh, Candelario. You think oh, was caught up in the analytics? I thing? think he was too. I think a lot of them were. Baez, though, the big ballpark. But it, okay, so I, I even told you this back in January. I said he he's not going to have a good cut swing. Right? Yes. Well, he can plane it out though. He's a good player. Uh, but I did tell you, it's going to take him a year to adjust to the American League. It just is. Now with a DH and both leagues, it's not going to be that big a deal. But coming from the National League with a pitcher hitting, they pitch you totally different. I, I mean, I told many people that it, he's not going to have that good a year this year because he has to get used to rotations. He's facing pitchers he's never seen before in his life. He's facing uh, bullpen. I mean, he just it, it, it takes an adjustment. Uh, he's going to be fine next year. The the team I think it depends on who they get as a hitting instructor and if and if Harris does do what he says and they're going to blend it and they get somebody in here who knows what he's doing and can can get to these guys they're going to be fine I think Torkelson's going to be fine I think Badu's going to be fine a lot of these guys are going to be fine they've got a they've got a decent team um, now they just need some guidance what was interesting at the end of the year that, that ten game run you mentioned John that Badu and Torkelson looked like the hitters we had seen the previous year. Yeah, and maybe they started relaxing. Or, or, I, I don't, or someone told them. Maybe forget. just go, just forget what you're doing. Just go out and hit. Yeah, go go to your natural swing. Just go, just go out and play. Like Harris, Harris talks to him and says, "I just want to see you play." Yeah, and yeah, exactly. Just maybe, and maybe he did. I, I, I don't know, but maybe he went in there and said, "Hey, let's well, if just you go knew play." What, if you knew what was going on, John, and your connections to the Tigers organization and the game of baseball, Harris had to know. 
He probably did. I, he, but why wouldn't A.J. Hint step in and tell an intern, get the hell out of my dugout? Well, maybe he was one who did it. That A.J. Hinch would send an intern to talk to somebody about hitting? I, I don't know. I, I, see, here, here's the other So where's A.J. Hinch's role in this for the team underachieving? Well, so the moves that were made last winter were A.J.'s moves. Push for him, right? Yeah, he pushed for him. They were his moves. So I mean, so Rodriguez was a huge bust. Well, they were his moves, and then I mean, when when uh, Al was gone, and the rats start flying and stuff starts flying out, and I mean, I caught some of it here and there. I won't probably catch any more, but I was catching stuff. Is that you know these were his moves? Um, he, him, and Sam supposedly they were the and ones Sam who, was Menzen he, they were the guys making is he the still moves. there I, I have no idea no, I, so everything was done through them um, and then when everything started crashing and then they blamed on Al but Al really wasn't the one who was making the moves it was it was a that, that that's what's kind of the the interesting dynamic here is um, you have a new guy come in and the manager was the one who supposedly interviewed his new boss Um that 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 to me is kind of crazy. Interviewed and, and, Scott Harris. Well, yeah, supposedly in on the interviews with him and Chris, and they were and they were going to pick out who the new his new boss would be. That's going to be to me is going to be the interesting dynamic because if I'm Scott Harris, I want my manager. I don't know if I, I think probably AJ wanted Josh Burns or someone that he was more more comfortable with. I'm just guessing. I don't know this, but I know that they have a really good relationship. I that's why I was like that's probably going to be the new guy. So now you got Harris, who I don't know if he has any ties to AJ, but that's going to be really. I, I think that's going to interest to see if they butt heads or not. And maybe if you look at the Illich family, that they went away from what AJ wanted, knowing maybe they did. They wanted a neutral party to be able to evaluate everything top to bottom, major leagues down through the minor leagues, and on and did. off the field. And I think that's what some of the people um, that I have spoken with that have you know, told me things were like, you know, this was a total catastrophe, but it wasn't Al, you know, it was the man who was running the club all season long. Which is A.J. Hinch. Yeah. Who's the manager because I, if if interns are walking up to players I, and that did happen. And I, I, I now right, but I would think that your manager immediately if Al was sending them down would go kick open his door like, you know, in a baseball movie, and say, "Keep the front office out of my dugout, and, and or I th- out of our clubhouse, or or the hitting cages underneath." Right. So, just that information, I I was absolutely shocked and aghast that, and and I felt really really bad for the young players because I was one, I was young ones coming up, and you are walking. On eggshells, you want to be able to please everyone. You don't want to do something stupid, and you are going to do anything you can to make sure you're in good standing with the organization, with the upper management. So I, I, I think next year, uh, I think next year is going to be actually a pretty good year for the Tigers I, because the, the hitting is still going to be bad. They showed that they have enough pitching that can compete. Even though, even if they don't have that number one guy, they do have enough people in there. I was, I was like, wow. I, I was impressed with what happened on the pitching side because when you lose all all five starting pitchers, 
you lose your whole rotation and you still competed and you really competed good enough to win 75 to 80 well, that probably goes to fatter the pitching coach on the and maybe job. it does maybe he you is know, that he, good he, he i, is I good. don't know well he's been good with the healthy pitchers um he's been really good but they had they did a good enough job to win 75 80 games easy if they would have had any hitting, with any hitting. So is Baez? All. You think Baez, Baez is comfortable and he'll he'll find the gaps at Comerica? I know some say the ballpark's too big. He's swinging. It is too for big. Homer's like you know he's still at Wrigley. It's right? way too big. Um, but yeah, he's gonna be fine. I wonder if they're gonna bring them in the fences at Comerica. They should. It's it's ridiculously big. It's just create a. I don't know what they'll do, but but put it this in perspective: is it's what's big enough to keep their pitching in the game. So there, there's a flip side. Too. There is a flip side, but your offense was so bad it couldn't get out of the infield. So I mean, it, it is. But I I I think they're going to be pretty good next year. John Vanderwall is a former major leaguer going through his laundry list of teams he played for. He's out of Hudsonville, Michigan, Western uh, Michigan University, down in Kalamazoo. One other thing I took from the new president Scott Harris interview, the new president of the Tigers, I asked him when you had a conversation with Mike Elledge. Did you talk to him about the need to be active in free agency and to have access to money? And he told me, yes, that was part of our conversation. So now the question is, pitching is pretty deep if they get healthy. What do you do for, you could, you could use some pop in that lineup, right? Yes. So do you go out and, not, you're not going to go after Aaron Judge. He's going to end up Dodgers, Mets, or stay with the Yankees. Well, there was a reason why teams moved Baez to second base, you know. And when you, we heard the gaslighting of him being this spectacular shortstop, and this, I'm like, no, timeout. He can play shortstop, but he's probably more of a second base. He's probably comfort zone because you saw it all throughout the summer. He did mess up a lot over there. Is he good good fielder? Yeah, he can be, but I don't know if he stays in the game well enough consistently every day to play shortstop. So he's probably a second base when you throw him at second base and you go out. I mean, I would go out and spend money again on a shortstop. That's what I would do. Or if you want to build from within, which you still can, you can use, I mean, Kreidler's glove looked pretty good. His offense looked a little shaky, but um, he showed some bright spots. Um, they do have some players, but if you're going to do that, then you just say, hey, we're going to don't gaslight us like they did last year and tell us you know, that we're going to make the playoffs. The rebuild was over. Yeah, the rebuild was the over. the exact yeah. word from Avila? Which it Elish. wasn't. I mean, I mean, most Tiger fans who really looked at it and looked at the roster said, no, if we won 81 to 84 games, that would be spectacular. So don't gaslight us. Tell us you're still building or you go out and you spend some quality money and get a number one, get a shortstop, and, uh, and roll with it. And I still think you really need a catcher too. With some pop, yeah, I think they wanted uh, what's his name, uh, the guy they got from Cincinnati, Barnhart. I th- Barnhart. I think you know. I don't think he was as expected. I think he probably did call a pretty good game and was good with the pitchers and stuff. But um, you might need something different back there. So when you when you go around the the lineup, uh, and I know they went through a lot of injuries, but Candelario. You say go get a shortstop. Kryler did show a good bat. I, I still think he's a third baseman. Yeah, you can't take day, right. Yeah, but you and you you can't really take what somebody did in September as hey because this you're is seeing, what they're going to be. You're seeing inferior pitching. Well, you, yeah, you're just seeing a lot of guys. A lot of teams go okay. We're going to throw guys in and see what they do. So September's not really a good. Uh, so you say shortstop, move Baez to second. Yep. 
Uh, I think Torres Torres will be fine. Yeah, he's, fine be first, fine. he's a really good defensive first baseman. Uh, go I after think, a catcher. Yeah, I, I, and I, you know, you, you've got Green, Badu, and who was in right? Um, Victor Reyes. You know, yeah. I mean, played fantastic. He's got a great so, swing. Um, you've got enough pieces in there. Um, but that lineup still smells like a seventy to eighty win team. Yeah, I, unless there's not unless Torkelson and Green just go off the charts, which I think they're going to. I, I I don't think they're going to have this sophomore slump because I think both of them kind of had a freshman slump. So usually, like Badu came in and just did fantastic. I tell you what, he did his rookie year. You don't see very often. You just and, you, and the Tigers did pick him out of nowhere to get. So you cannot give up on that kid because that kid's going to be a good player. If they if they just say okay, get rid of him, he'll 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 show up haunting them someday. He is that good. I and I believe that, and I think Candelario is too. Really? I think, yes, I, I I do. You cannot give up on these kids. Not yet. You got to you got to keep. Well, running look, they them gave up on Paredes, and look how well he hit with Tampa, right? Yeah. There were some other influences in on that. I'm not going to go into it with him. <laughs> so um, you got all you got all the inside. Well, you worked inside the system. So I just that's when just, I say that, that's as, just as say there's other, there was instructor. other things in, in that one. So, uh, well, but there's a lot that goes on that people never know. Um, I thought it was a great move. I'm going to be honest with you. You know, did he come out and, and house a fire in that? Yeah, he did. But I think that was one of the better moves they made. So you're, you're saying, you know, to me, I kind of look at it and say, okay, you're still... But well, you still got Meadows. Well, I know. With Meadows, and he's got vertigo or whatever happening with him, I, I still look at that lineup, if it's Badu and Torkelson and Green and Candelario, and you're going to roll the dice again... It's really similar to what you were walking into this past season. Yeah, but don't tell everyone you're going to win 90 games and your rebuild's over. The but rebuild. I think because the people will see that same lineup, I, I don't know how that translates to the ticket buying public. <sighs> okay, I, I, yeah, I, I can some, see there that. There needs to be a wow factor to a point somewhere, which we thought maybe Baez was going to be that wow factor, and Torkelson and Green were. Baez will be the wow factor the next year. He will but hit three hundred and hit. Baez will be the wow factor. Baez will be what was advertised next year. He'll, he's going to be what people good. were thinking. Yes, this he year. will be. He will be. And then you, you just didn't give you. You went so hard on the analytics, and you let the interns in, and you did things, and you really messed this whole thing up. So now you're going to have to have another year to just rewind and let these kids play, and now you've just delayed everything a year. So that's what I would do, unless unless they really want to go out and spend some money. Um, you've got to let these kids play. And, and let them play, and let them feel, let them get their swings the, the way they want their swings. Not now how some uh, some person who's an intern to tell them what angle their ba- their barrel should be on to make contact. John Vanderwall, former major leaguer, grew up in Hudsonville, Michigan, here on the west side of the state, calls Grand Rapids home. You got a baseball question, add HUGE Show on Twitter, the HUGE Show on Facebook, and opt in on that HUGE text chain. Text the word HUGE to 21,000. All of our social network interaction is presented by the Denver Nuggets G League team, the Grand Rapids Gold who now call Van Andel Arena in downtown GR home. And their first game at the Van will be on Thursday night, November 10th. Get your tickets at Ticketmaster.com and the Van Andel Arena box office. Everything huge, 24-7 at thehugeshow.net. 
BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks, unleashes the spirit of Las Vegas with BetMGM Rewards. Hi, this is Matt Shepard. Every time you make a wager at BetMGM, you can earn BetMGM Rewards points that you can redeem for online bonus credits like free bets. It's never been easier to join the action on the new BetMGM app, featuring a fresh redesign with improved features and quicker navigation. If you're planning a trip to Las Vegas, you can also convert your BetMGM points into MGM Rewards points that you can use towards dining, shows, and hotel rooms at over 20 MGM resorts located on the Las Vegas Strip and nationwide. BetMGM Rewards is sports betting premier loyalty program, including exclusive offers, incredible experiences, and valuable perks when you wager with BetMGM. Sign up with BetMGM or log in today and take advantage of the BetMGM Rewards. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Michigan only. If you think you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. You're listening to The Huge Show on the Michigan Sports Network. Back on The Huge Show across Michigan, 19 radio stations strong. For the one close to you, go to thehugeshow.net. And remember, we're everywhere when it comes to podcasts, and they're free. Apple, Google, Spotify, I heart Podbean and more. Just search the Huge Show where you download podcasts and you can catch up and listen on your schedule. Free podcasts when you want them. Just search the Huge Show where you download podcast. Big, bad, huge. The following is a presentation of the Michigan Sports Network. Wednesdays on the Huge Radio Network are presented by the Michigan High School Athletic Association. You can follow everything about high school sports 24-7 at MHSAA.com, at MHSAA on Twitter, and MHSAA on Facebook. Wednesdays on the Huge Show are presented by the Michigan High School Athletic Association. What's up, Michigan? It's another hour on the only syndicated statewide afternoon sports radio show. We're heard on 19 stations. For the one close to you, go to thehugeshow.net. Also, if you're a high school sports fan, we'll spend some time inside this hour with Mark Ewell, executive director of the Michigan High School Athletic Association. We have week two of the football playoffs. You have volleyball districts. You have Boys soccer winding down, championships, practices starting for winter sports. Uh, We'll get to a ton. If you do have a high school question in regards to any Michigan school, add Huge Show on Twitter, The Huge Show on Facebook. Also opt in on that huge text chain, text the word HUGE to 21,000. All of our social network interaction is presented by the Denver Nuggets G League team, the Grand Rapids Gold who now call Van Andel Arena home in downtown GR in their first home game at the Van. will be on Thursday night, November 10th. Get your tickets at the usual Ticketmaster outlets and also follow the gold on Facebook, Twitter, and on Instagram. Let's welcome in Mark Ewell. Always good to have him in studio, making the trip to the 96-1 The Game Studios. His helicopter, the MHSAA chopper, I see landed on the helipad just across the street, always traveling in style, my friend. <laughs> the chopper, yeah. It, uh, I, I could have used that when I hit the construction uh, near the Lowell exit coming oh, over. Oh, so. you know, I do want to salute because you're down in Lansing. 
I want to salute 5 million and 27 construction jobs going on at the same time in Michigan. I'm, I'm not going to fault the workers. I'll never get on them what they do. But who's ever planning it uh, has some obsessive disorder because everywhere I go, it's, you know, I'm on Plainfield Avenue in Grand Rapids. The traffic's backed up for three miles. Yeah, I didn't realize when an orange barrel was part of the Pure Michigan campaign. So, That's uh, around the election, fixing those darn roads. You know how it works, Mark. You're down there in Lansing. Politics are a part of everything in Michigan and across America. What's been pretty cool, though, about this fall season for Michigan high schools is there hasn't been the drama. It's been kind of pure Michigan high school sports. It's been awesome. Uh, you know, no conversations with... Uh, you know, state health departments or the governor's office. It, it literally has been as normal as anything has felt uh, really going back to March of, of 2020. The whole focus has been on what's been going on on the field, on the courts, in the pool. Um, you know, every conversation I've had about a mask has been about a face mask issue in a football game, which has been um, incredibly great. You know, we're not talking about social distancing. And I think the, the biggest thing that I've seen as I've traveled the state this fall is, yeah, our games are going on and our games feel normal. But all of those other groups, and, and we see this mostly in football, but there's so many other school groups that are connected to Friday nights in our state. Um, you know, during the pandemic and, and even during the fall of um, 21, things were still kind of muted. You know, you didn't see marching bands. You didn't see full cheerleaders. You, you didn't see folks, uh, you know, really coming back out in droves uh, and, and filling the stands. And it has been full speed ahead, not just with, you know, football and what you see on the field while the clock's running, but all of those other groups and homecomings and, and just uh, people are back together again, and, and uh, it's just felt really, really good this fall. You know, I've ran into some of the kids from the class of 2020, or classes, 2021, and you kind of feel for them on what they had to deal with at the end of their high school careers. You know, how the pandemic affected the end, and, the, and you can't change that. I know you and I have always talked that, man, if there was a way uh, to honor them, that those schools... Uh, all on an anniversary should bring those kids back, uh, those boys and girls who now will be young men and young women, because what they missed out on uh, together as a group at big and small, big city, small city, farm community, bedroom community, uh, what those kids missed because of the pandemic, it still touches my heart. It does. And that's the group of kids, Bill. I I really feel like our staff and our board and, and frankly, our schools, we got incredibly creative in the summer of 2020. Uh, during that following school year, during 2021, we awarded every state championship. Um, it looked different. It looked weird. But we somehow got everybody to the finish line. But, you know, looking back, it's those basketball kids that were seniors in the class of 20, the, the boys swimmers. Um, our ice hockey kids, and then, of course, anyone who played a spring sport, you, you can't go back and give them another chance. And uh, that is really the, the the kids who graduated high school in, in the spring of 2020 uh, forever um, really hold a special place uh, in our building, that's for sure. Yeah, I would like the schools somehow, like when you have a trophy case, that when those sports that were canceled, uh, that that end of 2020, that those teams are remembered. I, I don't care if they were winless or whatever, that they're remembered. Or they weren't going to have a good year or they were in the middle of a, a season. Somehow, 
find a, a roll call. I think that would be a great touch inside those trophy cases you see at a lot of high schools. It, it is, and and I, you know, and in talking to a lot of kids and parents that that had seniors that year, I, I think in life people need closure. Um, whether it, it's winning a state championship, whether it's getting beat in the first game of the district, good season, great season, so-so season, or poor season, um, those are all kind of chapters in life. And uh, you know, for seniors to kind of turn that last page and to write that last chapter before they move on to either college or work, you, you need that closure. And, and your athletic career should end on the field. Um, and in those kids. Uh, you know, March, April, May, and June of, of 2020 never got that chance. And it's just that feeling of never really getting closure. I think uh, it's the thing that's really stuck with me and our staff. And uh, it, frankly, it motivates us that whatever next hurdle jumps up in front of us, uh, that's why we got to be creative and find a way um, because our kids only get this chance once. Mark, I don't think there's anything, you know, knock on wood that we'll ever deal with com- Compared to what the pandemic brought to our schools, uh, to the elementary, middle schools, the high schools. And that lost group wasn't the high school athletes. It was that fourth, fifth, sixth grader that was wrapping up elementary school and they didn't get that natural transition to a middle school. Or that eighth, seventh, eighth grader, the transition to a high school and they had to go virtual and the sports weren't there. And then because the middle school, they were just trying to get the high school sports through, right, at most places. And I watched that with my youngest, that uh, I feel what brought him back was playing high school soccer. What really brought him back from just a place where you had two and a half years of you had to wear a mask to play club soccer. He didn't want to do that. He left club soccer. You had school. You had everything. And then the meaning of high school sports resonates more with my youngest son than any of my kids. Just I I, it was a complete flip mentally, emotionally, confidence. And and it's so cool to see. That's the importance here. It's not wins and losses. It's not he's great or he's on his way to MLS Academy. But being around the guys, seniors high fiving them after a goal. Seeing the seniors in the hallway or they drop them off after practice, just how it fuels what your high school days are all about. It does. And interesting you brought up those middle school years because, um, at least in my own experience and in lots of people I talk to, you look back and, and what was the hardest phase of life? And a lot of people that those middle school years can be hard. It's that figuring out who you are and what you want to be and, and kind of finding your voice and in your people and your lane. And I could not have a, in as hard as those years were in, in a normal time. I can't imagine trying to navigate, you know, that that going from being 11 and 12 to 13, 14, 15, and having to do it without friends around doing it through a, a Zoom screen. Um, no teacher. It, just complete. no social interaction. Oh, I, and video games took over. They did. The kids in there, you know, playing their Fortnite with fifteen other kids, right in their rooms or groups. And that's why we keep looking at, uh, you know, what can we continue to do 
in the mental health space because, you know, there's going to be lots of dominoes that are going to fall to where that was a huge developmental time that some of our kids just completely missed out on. And, you know, what resources can we give our schools to where they can identify? And we're doing more and more with all of our preseason coaches meetings. Yeah, we talked about concussions for a long time, you know, signs and symptoms of concussion and what do you do? Well, now part of our training and our partnership is uh, right here in Grand Rapids with the Be Nice folks through the West Michigan Mental Health Foundation. Um, there's a second Segment in all of our preseason coaches meetings about signs and symptoms of mental health issues that if you see one of the kids on your team what what are some of those signs and symptoms and if you see those what can you do is it you know referring them to your counseling office is it um, what can you do within your team culture and and that's something that has been a big outgrowth from that two and a half years of of kids just living in a really strange world so that's what you always try and do is you try and look down and around the corner of what's next and you know, continuing to support the, our kids who live through that uh, is still something that's very much front and center. Mark, uh, what I really respect about you from day one of our partnership on air and our friendship off air is that you have always put kids first, whether it was your own children, uh, whether it was every single kid in high schools across the state that your mindset as executive director of the MHSAA is to put the kids first. You know, within boundaries, within rules, because I the concussion era, my my son missed a game, but the the protocol, I had no issues with it. Sure, it, it was it was fair, it was medically supervised. The trainers are the unsung heroes at some of these high schools. I mean, I, I how every high school doesn't have a full time athletic trainer in that school with the emphasis on sports today, and I agree, almost athletic departments should have schools should hire a mental health professional who works with kids who are going through tough times, whether it's confidence and just have uh, emotional home issues, uh, peer group issues. You know, we need to focus on that. And I agree. And, I didn't know you're working on a mental health program with a Grand Rapids base group. That's fantastic, Mark. Yeah, the Be Nice program is is really been something good. We've gotten great feedback from our coaches and ads, and uh, it needs to be on everybody's radar that you know when back in the old days you saw one of uh, you know a kid struggling. Well, be tough. Suck, suck, it, being, right. suck it up. You know, right. it, yeah. it's just you know part of growing up and. Um, again, knowing what some of those indicators are and, and then what the next steps are to really intervene and get, get that young person some help. Um, that's really one of the good things that's come out of COVID is, is I think the, the whole mental health uh, issue is on the front burner of the stove uh, rather than just being tucked somewhere uh, off in the kitchen. And we're all learning. You know, the, the pandemic taught us a lot about ourselves, about our kids, and you in charge of the Michigan High School Athletic Association with your team, with your executive council, with your member schools, I think it's been a learning process for us all. And away from that, we learn every day as parents and that connection to sports. And I will say that I have this year noticed parents in a better place at games for the most part. You get the occasional nut jobs. But I, I believe it's based on the fact they knew what was gone when they didn't have it during the pandemic and how much they appreciate no mask, no cards being shown, none of this on the bus at the school, uh, walking in, uh, they appreciate watching their kids play high school sports more than ever. They do. And and they appreciate it just being normal. And that's what this fall has been all about. And that's been the best part of it. Yeah. And and the best thing you guys learn from, and I know some complain, but I do like the e-ticket thing makes it easier to get into a game. 
I know some of the old school people still want cash, but I do like the e-ticket. The pandemic did bring us everybody in when you got that season that was delayed and finally ended in January uh, with your son's team winning the state title, which I believe is just you want karma, fate, destiny. I know we talked about that at DeWitt. Uh, But, you know, and everyone in the playoffs, I know that's still out there, and I debate it with dads all the time. And I really go off of what you said last summer that, Okay, do you want the first round playoff game to be a nine and zero powerhouse team taking on a winless team that barely can bring seventeen guys on a bus? No, we don't want that. Then someone said, "Well, why not seed then? Why not seed by four regions?" I thought this was a pretty good idea, and I want you to hold this thought, and we'll talk about it in our next segment. Why not seed high school football by four regions, top to bottom? But you're still going to get that dog game in the beginning. Potentially, yes. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, I, potentially. I know. I'm not saying that every high school team is bad. I know that's Bill Simonson speaking, not Mark Ewell. <laughs> so we'll, we'll talk about that. We'll get into it because uh, high school football playoffs, week number two uh, this weekend. Mark Ewell, executive director of the Michigan High School Athletic Association in studio. If you have a high school comment, add Huge Show on Twitter, The Huge Show on Facebook, and also opt in on the Huge text chain. Text the word HUGE to 21000. From Grand Rapids to Detroit, this show is huge. Rock and country music's hardest hitters join forces. Five Finger Death Punch, Brantley Gilbert, with special guest Corey Marks. November 9th, Van Andel Arena. I'm a son of the dirty south. On sale now at Ticketmaster.com. Five Finger Death Punch's new album, Afterlife, out now. Five Finger Death Punch and Brantley Gilbert, live. Van Andel Institute Purple Community is a grassroots fundraising network powered by the dedicated volunteers who support VAI's mission to improve human health now and in the future. When you raise funds through the Van Andel Institute Purple Community, 100% of the proceeds go directly to the Institute's research into diseases like cancer and Parkinson's, as well as VAI's science education programs. Learn how you can get involved at purplecommunity.org. Get more for your money every time you shop Meyer. Start shopping for the season's best holiday toy deals. Like buy one, get one 50% off when you mix or match select toys from Barbie, Nerf, Hot Wheels, Disney Princess, Coco Melon, and more. And pick up a meal that helps you feel warm and cozy with buy one, get one 50% off beef, lamb, or pork roasts. Whether it's gifts, roasts, or fresh produce, you get the same low Meyer prices no matter how you shop, in-store or online. Get more for your money at Meyer. Exclusion Supply. See all the deals in the Meyer app. Huge here for my good friends on the DraftKings Sportsbook app, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. So the Pistons and the NBA season is underway, and right now everyone on the DraftKings Sportsbook app can get boosted winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. So they're providing the biggest payouts ever. So the huge question of the day is, why bet on the NBA anywhere else except on the DraftKings Sportsbook app, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. And right now, as I mentioned, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Just go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets, like which team will win, who will score the most from the Pistons, and other incredible ways 
for you to cash out. And like I said, with payouts bigger than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook is where I go to bet on the NBA. Just download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, and new customers can sign up with promo code HUGE and then place a stepped-up same-game parlay to boost your winnings up to 100%. This is only on the DraftKings Sportsbook app, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services Gambling Disorder Helpline at 1-800-270-7117. 21 and up in Michigan only, one boost per eligible game, opt-in required, 10-plus legs required for 100% boost. Parlay and wagering restrictions apply. Eligibility and terms at DraftKings.com slash basketball terms. You're listening to The Huge Show on the Michigan Sports Network. We are back on the huge show across Michigan on an MHSAA Wednesday. You can follow everything Michigan high school sports at MHSAA.com, at MHSAA on Twitter, MHSAA on Facebook, and also watch live and are archived. Archived? Archived. Archived boys and girls high school sports at MHSAA.tv. Mark Ewell, executive director of the Michigan High School Athletic Association. Uh, in studio with us. So to end the last segment, we were talking about what do you do with high school football playoffs to keep like three highly ranked teams in the same division in the same district. Is there any thought to the seeding process uh, with high school football with you and your team? So the the challenges we put together, the playoff groups, is and in every sport, it's based first on geography. That that's really where it starts and ends. And you're talking districts, right? And we are, and, and so it's hard to take if you've got a, a part of the state where you've got you know three of the top teams who geographically are, are right there on top of each other. It's hard to send them in three different places. I mean that. And by the way, this isn't unique to Michigan high school sports either. You know, some would make the argument that the you know five of the top ten football teams in the country are in the SEC. Um, but the the playoff at the end of the year isn't going to be only of those teams from the SEC. That there is in, in that case some conference and geography involved, and we're really no different. Um, the thing that is getting some conversation within our football community is this is now really the second year in earnest that we're using the strength of schedule formula. So teams now get a little bit of a boost when you go out and schedule um, tougher opponents. Uh, You now get a boost. There's now such a thing as a good loss, which was never the case back in the uh, six wins and you're in formula. So I realize there's some heartburn when, you know, you've got a team that does win six games and they don't get in, but you've got a four or five team, uh, win team that does get or in. Or a three win team this year, a couple of them. A couple of them, but those are ones that are, are playing in incredibly tough leagues, are going out and playing incredibly tough non-conference opponents. And I think when, uh, you know, our board meets in December and when our football committee meets at about that same time, we got to look at the data and we have to say, okay, do we want to have a postseason system where teams have to qualify to get into the playoffs? Um, our football coaches uh, consistently have said, you know what, we want to be able to qualify to get in because I think there are some real concerns that the, the if everybody was in the first week of the playoffs, you would have 
um, incredibly lopsided games, and I'm not sure that that's best for any community, whether it's a community where a team has had kind of a down year or, or those uh, communities. You know, if, if you've got a really good team, first round of the playoffs, I'm not sure you get a whole lot out of winning 65 to nothing um, by playing an 0-8 team. So those are all things I think we need to get some more feedback on. Um, we're also looking really closely at what we can do to help support our small school 11 player programs, those schools that play in divisions really seven and eight. They're having some real challenges right now with scheduling because a lot of the smaller schools in their leagues and conferences have gone the eight player out. So our division seven and eight teams and 11 player having a hard time finding regular season opponents. And so one thing we've even floated out there is right now to, to play in our eight player tournament, your high school has to be 215 students or less to qualify. So eight player was intended to be for our very smallest schools to be able to keep football going. And so the, the concept has been floated out there. Well, what if we made division eight and 11 player only for schools that are say 250 students or less? That way you you know that you're never going to have to compete in the tournament as a D8 school against anyone who is bigger than 250. And does that even get some of our eight-player schools to say, well, you know, the reason we win eight players, we didn't think we could compete. But if you give us a cap on Division Eight, then maybe um, that makes that more likely. So there's an awful lot of moving parts, Bill, both uh, – you know, with our our big schools and just what does the tournament look like, but an awful lot of uh, challenges right now with our smallest schools, eight player, eleven player, and in what does uh, division seven and eight? So a uh, lot more conversation to come. That's for sure. It's not just the small schools; some bigger schools are having trouble fielding teams, and they'll suspend the rest of their season. Uh, you you see that more. And I think it depends uh, school district by school district. If the culture there is for other sports, football could take a hit, right? It really could. And and I've you know I've been in this business of uh, high school sports for twenty six years. And if there's one thing that's been proven over and over and over again, quality programs start with quality coaches. If you have a quality coach in your program. Numbers in getting kids out and having the right culture will never be a problem. And I don't care if you're at Dakota High School in Macomb County with your 3,000 students, or I don't care if it's fill in the blank um, with your 180 students. Uh, it all starts and ends with quality coaching in place. And, and that's why we, you know, all first time head varsity coaches have to take our coaches advancement program because we believe that getting new coaches some education and kind of giving them the foundation and in the footing to get off on the right foot. Um, is incredibly critical to making sure that kids have a quality experience. And, uh, you know, with fewer folks going into education right now, the ranks, you know, you ask schools, Bill, right now, what's the biggest challenge? Um, if I would have asked this for most of my 26 career, uh, six career, 26 years, for me to say, 26 year career in education to schools, almost always the, the biggest issue would have been money. 
asked that question 10 years ago. What's your biggest challenge in your school? Well, it's finding enough money to do the things that we want to do. You mean field a team, uh, have the facilities, all, all that, sorts right? of stuff. It always, everything was a millage election, it right? It all came down to dollars and cents. And you ask superintendents or administrators today, what's the biggest challenge you have in, the, in your district? And it's like, we can't find people. We can't find people to referee. We can't find people to coach. We especially can't find people right now to substitute teach, to, to drive bus. And so we've really got pandemic related or just uh, where sports are at today at the high school level. I think that's still an an impact from the pandemic that uh, we just haven't seen people come back to the workforce, especially in education. And, uh, you know, for us right now, it's all about people. It's training and teaching our people, whether it's coaches or officials, it's recruiting more, it's keeping more. And uh, but I'm telling you, when you talk about programs that are successful and programs that struggle if the the well mark what's the what's the magic bullet out there it's simple it's quality of coaching and uh that's something we can't forget about either it's quality of coaching and it's how the culture is developed and the foundation is set in a small town big city big school small school you know i've watched it with joe schwander at grand rapids forest hills eastern and i've watched their numbers increase and with a culture becomes numbers, then their success, and and it really just snowballs into a solid program. But you have to get to those young kids. That's why I've always looked at the Michigan High School Athletic Association market. I don't, I don't know if I've ever asked you this question. Has there ever been any thought of taking the middle schools under your umbrella to help build the foundation for high school sports? So we actually have roughly half of the junior highs and middle schools in our state that are members of our association. Um, oh, I did not know that. It's only about half. And the reason you don't hear much about our, our junior high or middle school efforts is there really isn't the draw that we have at the high school level. The reason all of our, almost all high schools in our state are members of us is because of the state tournament, the the playoffs, the tournament when it comes to the high school level. Well, at the junior high level, there is no postseason tournament. So the reason that a lot of our middle schools do join us is the fact that we have over a million dollars in insurance coverage for each eligible athlete free of charge to our school. So that's a a big pull. Um, All of our junior high seasons are short. What we want to do is at the junior high level is get kids a chance to get exposed to different sports. So the junior high season, it's a four-season model. It's a short fall season. You've got an early winter. You've got a late winter. And then your spring season. And, and you hope you get kids that give wrestling a try. Or you you have kids that, well, I'll give track, or, track and field in the spring a try. Or it may even be a case to where I'm playing football, which isn't affiliated with my school. And you know what? I'm also going to run cross country. So the, the whole point of our junior high efforts are to just get kids exposed to the different programs. There is some talk, though, about, well, do we need to formalize more of what we're doing to our junior highs? Do we, maybe it's not a, a full state tournament at the junior high level, but do you have regional or area meets to where you've now got your regular season and now it kind of builds towards something? And because it's through the school, it's less costly than the club and travel. Does that now become the carrot to bring more kids, more families in? Um, that's affordable and accessible. And um, again, we had this conversation going pre-pandemic. COVID stopped it in its tracks. And that's one of the many things here that uh, that we're kind of starting over with uh, here after COVID. I think it would be tough to have a state championship, but I, I believe a city championship or a region championship and to have a small playoff, have a point says, so, well, however you do it, how a team gets in, 
to have a playoff at the end where there is a carrot, where it's four teams, it's eight teams, whatever it is, where those middle schools uh, could win boys, girls, basketball, volleyball, track and field, basically football. Those four seem to be uh, the big middle school sports. And to have that would really, I think, be a culture-building finish for all those sports. Yeah, and we've actually, we so we've piloted it um, in two sports, uh, cross-country and track and field. So we started with two individually-based sports. And we did, and how'd you do the championships there? So they're just, they were regional meets. So they were kind of all-comer meets, but based on the number of schools that wanted to join, um, you know, like in track and field, you'd set a certain number of entries in each event, um, you know, so it wasn't like 72 heats of the 50 or, or the 100. Um, and then obviously... Yeah, we're cr- going heat 72 now from... Grand Rapids Union. But the great thing about cross country is you just get a big enough venue and your starting line can be as big as it is and you shoot the gun and away you go. Um, so that those are two individual sports where we're seeing what kind of reaction we get. Is this something our school say, hey. How, this, how was the reaction? It's been incredibly positive. That's what I'm, I, I'm, I'm feeling it, Mark, uh, through kids who have gone through middle school now, all in high school. And you can't do the full-blown state championship for those sports. But I believe a, a region championship where you do it by class size, right? And there'd be maybe four teams get in, and you would come up with a, a point system like you do or however you do yep. it. And some teams are going to be left out, but uh, there's four teams from each class in that area or region and maybe four regions of the state where they maybe get to travel. And, you know, parent in the seventh grade, they're used to traveling with other club sports and it's cost effective. You have fields. You play your games on the Mondays and Tuesdays, Wednesdays, where a lot of middle schools play, anyways. And I think it would really set up programs because yep. then that kid is going to go play in seventh and eighth grade, boy or girl, and basketball, girls basketball, boys basketball, football, cross country, track and field. And I, I bet the retention odds have to be well over 50, 60, 70 percent that they're going to do it in high school and keep it going. It is. And, and the other thing that's really appealing to be more involved at the junior high level is you also get those parents earlier. Because a lot of times our first interfacing with parents is when their kid's a freshman. And if they've been doing the club travel, which is kind of the wild, wild west culture, um, I, I'm, I think you might be a little bit late into kind of getting them to, you know, kind of be drinking the Kool-Aid a little bit about what our purpose is and the way that we act around here. And uh, so that's appealing for us as well. Yeah, I, I do. I, I think the, the seventh grade experience that the parent is there at the stadium, the gym, uh, the track and field meet, the cross country uh, location, I think it just sets up. It's a. am not going to use the professional side of this because it's about the student athlete, Mark, but it really is a true feeder program to the MHSAA 9 through 12 sports. It is. And in, in that, uh, I think you get a sponsor on it. You could have the regional championships. It could be a Meyer, could be a, you know, Coke, Pepsi, somebody like that you work with. And, and you just to have a seventh, eighth grade, uh, championship where the kids know there's something to work for, like they do at every Michigan high school and any other sport. You bet. And that's the reason we've started with cross country and track is, 
those are two sports where there's not a, a big club presence in those two sports. Not like kids are going out and playing AAU uh, cross country. Uh, yeah, there's a little bit of track in a few parts of our state, but those are, are two sports where really the first place you can participate is through your school or junior high. And the thing is, if we do have more and more of these regional meets and more sports, then maybe that pulls more junior highs under the tent. And that's what we're hoping. For. And I like the not lining up against club sports, but offering an alternative. And yeah. eventually, I think you could see middle school baseball. Uh, other sports would add on just like they've grown uh, at the high school level. It's interesting connecting uh, the middle schools and junior highs uh, to Michigan High School Athletic Association. And I did not know that some schools are already members. Mark Hill, Executive Director of the MHSAA, in studio. You have a high school question at Huge Show on Twitter, The Huge Show on Facebook. All of our social network interactions presented by the Denver Nuggets G League team, the Grand Rapids Gold. They now call Van Andel Arena in downtown GR home. Their first game at the Van, Thursday night, November 10th. Be a part of history. Get your tickets at Ticketmaster.com, the Van Andel Arena box office, and the usual Ticketmaster outlets. We'll have more with Mark Ewell talking high school sports on this MHSA Wednesday after this network T.O. Everything huge 24-7 at thehugeshow.net. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Well, here's a chance for both of you to earn $50 bonuses when you sign up through the BetMGM Refer a Friend program. Hey, this is Matt Shepard. Just sign in in your BetMGM account and click on the Refer a Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Michigan only. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable site credit. Site credits expire in 30 days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-270-7117. Excludes Michigan disassociation persons. Huge here for the Grand Rapids Gold. They're the Denver Nuggets G League team coached by former NBA All-Star Andre Miller. And they'll be playing their home games in downtown Grand Rapids at Van Andel Arena. And the Gold's home opener in GR will be Thursday night, November 10th. If you need tickets, quick link, follow the Grand Rapids Gold on Twitter, Facebook, or just Google Grand Rapids Gold. Their home opener is on Thursday night, November 10th at Van Andel Arena in downtown GR. Imagine this, a day filled with indulgence, bursting with excitement, and packed with extraordinary moments that build memories to last a lifetime. A day that is unmistakably yours, at the place that is undeniably spectacular. Whether you're winning big, dining lavishly, or relaxing oh so comfortably, it's your getaway reimagined at Soaring Eagle Casino and Resort. They say consistency is the key to success. They weren't wrong. So how about grabbing a beer that's consistently smooth, consistently refreshing, and consistently light? You might just find that the road to success can be pretty enjoyable. Michelob Ultra, the perfect balance of taste and refreshment and only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. 
Enjoy responsibly. Anheuser-Busch Michelob Ultra Light Beer, St. Louis, Missouri. You're listening to The Huge Show on the Michigan Sports Network. We're back with Mark Ewell, Executive Director of the Michigan High School Athletic Association on this MHSAA Wednesday. Remember, you can follow everything Michigan High School Sports at MHSAA.com, at MHSAA on Twitter, MHSAA on Facebook, and watch live and archived boys and girls sports on demand at MHSAA.tv. Has the ability to watch live sports hurt the gate? At any high schools, do you think? I don't think so. It, it uh, never seen any data that shows that if you stream or make your game available, that it's going to keep people away. Um, you look at a lot of the metrics through the network broadcast that most people that are signing up and watching the game, it, they're not within 50 miles of the game. Site. It's family out of it town, is. right? It's aunts and uncles and grandpas and grandmas and, you know, uh, parents who are traveling with work and, and aren't in town. Um, we found that uh, being able to stream, and by the way, that that's something, that toothpaste is never going back in the tube. Um, streaming is here to stay. You, you know, we look back at COVID, and it's really easy to list off the thousand things about it that you'd never want to live through again but there are a handful of of good byproducts that came out of it now with streaming really becoming quite an accepted part of of what we do um in the high school sports space uh i hope that the technology only gets better and it just becomes easier for folks uh, to be able to access games uh when you're on the move yeah the e-tickets which the majority like some of that are old school still want the cash exchange at the ticket window, uh, the streaming, which I still look back uh, when I did Forest Hills Eastern with Bobby Mitchell, the former Grand Valley State standout, the brother of Pete Mitchell, who played with uh, the Jags in Boston College, when the fans couldn't come to the games. That three- or four-game period uh, still will stick with me for the rest of my life. The empty stadiums and the excitement we had to just and it was a good team that ended up going to the quarterfinals. You bet. Uh, but knowing you were bringing something to these people where they were missing so much, kids, band members, you know, I think they were allowed at the first couple of games, what, four tickets for each parent or uh, personnel, right? It was It was. We were limited. All the limits, and it seemed like the limits were changing all the time, and yeah, the uh, <laughs> as I look back at that, then wow. I, I thought the ultimate uh, poke in the eye was the more. So we we get things restarted in January. Yes, we're at Ford Field for the uh, Friday Saturday finals. End of January two thousand two thousand twenty one. Twenty one so yes. was after yeah. the the fall of twenty season. And uh, we're there at Ford Field, and that was the morning that uh, the new order got amended that basically doubled the capacity that we could have had at Ford Field. So all the tickets have been sold and working with schools under the current order, and they waited until the morning of our finals at Ford Field to do that. Um, I do still have some scrapes and scars from COVID, and uh, um, that is certainly one of those. But we no, we, we we figured out a way, and that yeah, was did. the bottom line. And uh, yeah, for that next challenge that jumps out in front of us, uh, we're going to keep finding ways. You were in that bunker with your team and all your member schools, and it was an act of leadership that was unmatched during the pandemic on any level in this country. 
Mark, what you did, what your team did, uh, what those ADs did and those coaches and those student athletes uh, to see that football season end at the end of January. And for you, I still get goosebumps, man. I was watching it on TV. For you to be there watching your son's school and your son win a state title, man, after I'm going to get choked every time I talk about this because I, I was in those conversations with you for a long time. And I know how it wore on you. It wore on me. You know, people are like, why are you talking about COVID at sports? And I'm thinking, there's no sports going on. You ain't kidding. You know, what, what do you want me to talk about? And, 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 and you fought. You fought for the kids. You know, what, what's missing uh, from that pandemic era was people fighting for the kids. I know parents were. But you fought for those kids. You fought to finish those seasons. And, man, I'm in Cadillac. No, excuse me. They had to move the game to Traverse City because Cadillac's field was frozen, which happens up there yep. uh, in northern Michigan. And and we were, we're in Traverse City, the quarterfinal game against Cadillac. Great Viking program for our listeners on 93.7 FM, the ticket. And and limits in the press box now. Yep. So the, the AD, uh, not AD, the superintendent's involved. And... At that time, I got the patience of, I, I, I'm not even going to use a word, and only one of us could do the game. So Bobby Mitchell couldn't do the game. Only one of us could be in the press box. Unbelievable. And it was end of January, and I'm all about sacrifices for the kids, but I wasn't standing outside. <laughs> and uh, it was just, uh, it, it was a tough ending because FHE led and, and Cadillac went on and I think shocked Edwardsburg and made it to they did at, at Ford Field Week. They did, yeah, and just a uh, great memories. I I knew when the season ended and they had their banquet and they had to do it virtually, right? And Allie Doyle was running the Four Souls Easter Boosters, and Coach Swander asked me to pull up because they had to hand out the awards and the things and the bags to the kids. They had to do it with cars pulling up. Like Unbelievable. It, because of the pandemic, right? right? And she gave me a bag, and every single player on that football team, along with some of the parents, wrote a thank you note. Very cool. To me and and Bobby Mitchell got a bag for what we did. Oh God, I I still uh, there's a lot of emotions there as a father, as a sports fan, and also working with you and the Michigan High School Athletic Association. And yeah, we're not we're not reliving the past, but it's just part of the present, and we learned a lot moving forward. Uh, we do have uh, another segment together, uh, a couple of them. So stick around, Mark Hewell, Executive Director of the Michigan High School Athletic Association joining us again. You can follow uh, all the fall sports playoffs and get set for winter. Uh, MHSAA.com, at MHSAA on Twitter, MHSAA on Facebook, and that on-demand, archived, and live boys and girls high school sports is available 24-7 at MHSAA.com. That's MHSAA.com. Also, if you miss any of our interviews, podcasts, full shows, they're available, and they're free. Wherever you download podcasts, just search The Huge Show, and you can catch up and listen on your schedule. Big. Bad. Huge.
The following is a presentation of the Michigan Sports Network. Wednesdays on the Huge Radio Network are presented by the Michigan High School Athletic Association. You can follow everything about high school sports 24-7 at MHSAA.com, at MHSAA on Twitter, and MHSAA on Facebook. Wednesdays on the Huge Show are presented by the Michigan High School Athletic Association. What's up, Michigan? It's another hour of the only show willing to tell like it is. We're all about huge opinions, big-name guests. Superfly Hayes is our executive producer, one of the best in the business. Mark Ewell, executive director of the Michigan High School Athletic Association, is in studio today on this MHSA Wednesday. If you have a high school question, add Huge Show on Twitter, The Huge Show on Facebook, and also opt in on the Huge text chain. Text the word HUGE out of 21,000. I know we talked about seeding high school football and looking at that, and it would be tough based on uh, the size of the state or loading up one region or area. What, what sports, Mark, uh, and I got a question on the huge text chain uh, from John in Grand Rapids. What sports are being seeded right now in postseason play at Michigan high schools? So football has always had it. So we take, um, regardless of the system to qualify, your matchups have always been determined on your playoff points so football is always done so a lot of people don't understand that that it is seated they just think it's regional right correct it, it's seated within your region but but it is certainly seated what we've done now at the district level um we really haven't had widespread support that we need to seed our entire tournament but the the negatives that we would get you know over the last decade is that district tournament the first round and just by the old random draw you'd have the best two teams that have talking basketball now right I'm talking everything everything right but yeah basketball included that you know the best two teams in the district soccer drew is another one right exactly and they would play right away on monday and well can't we do something so what we've now got is the michigan power rating so in several of our sports you can follow on our website mhsa.com so let's use basketball and once the basketball season starts here in december is you'll be able to track your team and see exactly what their mpr is so now when we get uh, 10 days before the start of the district tournament we take um, the mpr in the district and the number one MPR goes on the number one seeded line, and then the number two MPR goes on the number two line, opposite sides of the bracket, and then we play it out over the week. And if you know the seeds would hold true, then your top two teams in that district would play in the district final. No more on you know the first night or the second night based on the random draw. So currently we do this in boys and girls basketball, boys and girls soccer, the newest sport that we're now adding it in um, this winter is ice hockey. Boys lacrosse has always had a seeded tournament, and we're now uh, the girls lacrosse committee met here recently. They they're going to move that forward as a recommendation that they'd like to use NPR. I think Bill, we give this long enough, and I think almost all of our team sports are going to use the MPR, if nothing else, just to separate number one and two. Now, there's also some discussion that by the time you now get to the semifinals, so you get to the final four, like in basketball or in ice hockey, that what we should do is use the MPR again and seed your final four. Because now you're not increasing travel, but what you'd be doing is you'd put then, of your four teams left, 
one plays four, two plays three in your uh, semi. In terms of highest seeds remaining. Highest right? highest MPR seeds remaining. And what that might do is give us a little bit more compelling championship game. So that's something else that we're talking about. Um, but uh, MPR, at, the, at least the district level, by separating the top two teams, has is, is been a really effective change here over the last handful of years. Uh, your executive council for the MHSAA member schools, where where are they at on some of the recommendations? What what are hot topics right now that are close to becoming a reality? So our board is a, I've got a 19 member board, our representative council, and uh, 18 of the 19 members all come from our schools. So of uh, our 18 board members, we have superintendents, we have principals, and we have athletic directors. Um, our 19th member is actually an appointed member from the Michigan Department of Education, Kyle Grant, who's the uh, one of the assistant superintendents at uh, at MDE, who was wonderful. Um, our board is fantastic. You know, um, our board sees some of the challenges right now with local school boards in some places. And, uh, what do you mean challenges? So it's just our schools have become very politicized here since covid and uh you know you talk to a lot of school people and in local school board meetings have been very very interesting places to be over the last uh, 32 months or so really heated they have gotten very heated and and what's really good about our board is you know they come from that background and they approve policy they approve a budget and when it really comes to -to day-to-day operations they leave that to the staff but they're a wonderful sounding board for for what's next i can tell you that during covid um, the whole mentality of both our board and staff was survival in some cases uh, you would say it was well week to week and month to month frankly in the fall of 20 in the winter then of 21 while we were trying to finish that first season um, it was almost going day to day just to navigate all the changes out there so now that we do have some normalcy again um, you know some things that we're looking at potentially uh, new opportunities you know what what is next um, but at that same token, a lot of the surveying we've done of our schools is we want to make sure that we're supporting um, all of our current sports and our current tournaments um, first before we look at adding uh, up some new opportunities. I can tell you that there is really no push to go in this direction, but at least we're getting our board much more educated on what the NIL landscape could look like. Um, currently in Michigan, we do not have a state law that permits um, – NIL uh, below the collegiate level. And frankly, I, I think the conversation about NIL isn't what high school athletes can and can't get because we've talked previously. There actually are ways that current student athletes at the high school level can make um, can make some money with reasonable work at a reasonable rate. That you're you know, talking connected to the school, correct? Kids can work camps, kids can give private lessons, kids can officiate. A way to make money um, through their involvement with sports have always been okay. And I'm not really looking. I'm not hearing much support at the high school level that we try and look just like college sports when it comes to NIL. My biggest fear is that the non-school world out there are going to create these academies in the way that they're going to try and draw kids to their academy. If state law would permit it, would there would be some NIL opportunities for kids that go the academy route. And then I could see these academies aligning with certain colleges and universities with their large NIL collectives. And, and I just think that uh, that's something that, that is incredibly concerning because I call me old school, but I really think that a 14- 
14 to 18-year-old kid should be able just to have the experience of growing up, being a high school student, being a high school athlete, without the pressure that, uh, oh, by the way, as a, as a fairly talented 16-year-old, uh, you've also got to become a business enterprise. I just don't think that's healthy for anybody's development, and we'll see uh, you know, how uh, those conversations go. Yeah, ask uh, Monty Bates and his circle how the prep school worked out in the southeastern part of Michigan What's good about the collectives is that the NCAA just passed rules that schools can't just have collectives with no name, image, and likeness use. So you can't just donate so you get a pool of $30 million where you can buy players. That wasn't the intent of name, image, and likeness. And I believe at the high school level, if you're going to do that, uh, it, it, it will be chaos and the bigger schools will only get bigger, and right. parents will move there, and you'll destroy the base. I highly doubt your membership or council nope. would ever uh, approve that. And if uh, a group of prep schools want to develop their own superpower thing, well, you might want to look at the stats on how many kids actually get scholarships sure. and how many kids go to pros. And I believe something that nobody has talked about in this name, image, and likeness situation, the money will run out at yep. some point. There's not an endless supply of government-funded or college-funded money for these name, image, and likeness programs. And you're already seeing that teams don't look the same. Alabama doesn't have that same cohesion. And when your quarterback's making a million a year and the lineman blocking for him is getting nothing, eventually that seeps into games. Sure does. And you can look at it, and you can uh, I'll say Harbaugh, what he said about we're not going to be a transactional uh, program that you know if you can get paid more power to you. If you're CJ Stroud and you get a Bentley or Rolls from a local dealership, hey, you know you you've done a lot for Ohio State. Same thing with Hunter Dickinson. But to bring that to the high school level, you're going to open up the ugliest can of worms you've ever seen. I think it destroys high school sports with name, image, and likeness. Some listening right now may say, well, you're telling a kid, well, the school packs them in uh, for the tournaments to watch or on Friday nights, and that kid shouldn't earn any of the money. I'm like, wait a minute. That athlete, male or female, is using that school as a springboard to a free college education or at least the ability to be seen. Yep, and and I think the, the key difference and what's really gotten lost in the conversation is NIL came to the college level because enough uh, people in the position of power kind of stood up and said, wait a minute, this has become a billion-dollar industry. And of the billions of dollars that are being generated, it seems like that money is only flowing right now to the adults. It's flowing to the institutions, and it's flowing to the adults. And the coaches. The, right? the, the Power Five coaches being at the front of that line. So the whole concept was, well, in this billion-dollar industry, there has to be a way for us to put some of the money um, into the pockets of the student-athletes. And, and the whole concept was this way that kids can earn some extra spending money. Some, you know, That's the way it was kind of pitched. And, of course, it, it gets enacted, and uh, then you've got the collectives and all those issues. Bill, I can guarantee you that at the high school level, this is nowhere close 
close to the kind of economic scale Amen. that uh, is happening and in, in the, the concept that, uh, you know, all this money is being made at the high school level. Talk to most high school ADs and, and they're going to tell you that what they bring in at the gate simply covers their expenses um, in some areas and then they're still getting general funds from the school district to cover the others. Um, saying that uh, college athletics at the Power 5 level and high school sports in terms of economic scale and NIL, um, it's unfair to say they're apples and oranges. Um, they're far more different even than what that is. There is a microscopic small percentage of players that any company would want to endorse. Basically, the money at the high school level, if there was NIL, would be for recruiting kids to come play for other schools, and that's something that yep. uh, you put a stop to for the most part with the transfer uh, rule and sitting out one year. Uh, I, I can see the prep academies. You want to have a soccer school. You want to have a basketball school. More power to you. you got parents who want to pay uh, for that. It's America. You can do what you want to. But your organization, the Michigan High School Athletic Association, you have a right to say whether or not those prep academies can be a part of your organization. Absolutely. And that's how it works. It is how it works. So. It, it's amazing. with uh, the And all this is money-based. Every, every, NIL, everything we're talking about. Even for your executive team and your leadership council to have the conversations about if kids should get paid. I think I told you two times ago, you're in studio, whatever, that there needs to be a push on your website, MHSAA, through your announcements, that athletes have the ability, high school athletes have the ability to make money from being a part of their camps, yeah, from uh, private uh, lessons, from officiating. I think let... Let those schools and those parents and those athletes know there's an opportunity to make money while playing at a Michigan high school. Absolutely. And that's something when we met with all of our schools earlier this fall on our, our update meeting tour, that was part of our program. And uh, because we've had so much change over here uh, after COVID with new athletic directors, uh, yeah, it's really important for our, our kids to know exactly what they can already do under the rules. How many schools did you go to on your fall tour? So we do seven area meetings. Uh, we've kind of divided the state up into seven sections. We started off in the Kalamazoo area, and I finished, uh, I think, two Fridays ago up in Marquette. We actually meet in a large uh, room up in the Superior Dome at Northern Michigan University, and it's a really good way for us to get feedback and input uh, from our membership. So you do that, and, and you reach out to all members and show up? Yep. Are they required to show up to one? So what we do is we uh, our seven locations, We it's kind of like a almost like a rock band tour i can tell you the order every year we always start in kalamazoo we then next go to detroit our third meeting is always it's like huey lewis of the news it tour. is it's yeah. in frankenmuth is the you third got a tour one? bus close you know the madden cruiser you need to uh that is a good idea down the road to put mhsaa uh wrap a bus and and take it when you're driving so people see there you go where else? So we, Grand Rapids is number four. Uh, Gaylord is number five. Wow. Lansing is number six. And then we always finish up uh, up in Marquette. That's number seven. So we, we kind of put those in the seven geographic centers of our state that are closest to most of our schools. And then they all travel in and we meet with the ADs all morning. And then we do a luncheon. And I kind of give the state of the state seven different times. And we get folks back on the road by 130. It's, uh, it's really a, a very productive day. And we get to meet face-to-face with our schools. So I really look forward to the month of September into the first two weeks of October as uh, we do the update tour. What was uh, the theme of your state of 
state of Michigan high school sports. What was the main theme of that speech you gave to all the member schools? It was really normalcy that um, this fall feels more normal. Um, Our goal for the rest of this year is we get back to our normal decision-making processes. You know, one of the, the slides I've used every year is that our organization is best when we're driven by the membership, not driven by the director, not driven by staff, not even driven by our board. But when our 748 high schools let us know what they want, I think we do a better job of serving um, what they need. So certainly that that concept that we're going to get back to regular surveys from our schools, regular input, talking about things, because, Bill, the reality for the last 30-plus months is we haven't been membership driven we've been governor's office driven or we've been state health department driven and we really kind of see uh the the clouds clearing where we can get back to let's do what our membership wants us to do and uh that's really the overarching theme for this year by the way speaking of the stop in gaylord how are they doing up there after that tornado you know what was crazy is uh it was this summer we actually stopped and you you look on the east side of 75 in Gaylord and everything looked absolutely normal. You take a left and now you're heading just west of 75 and you see the the little mall that it hit, the culvers that it hit and then there was kind of a trailer park and Bill we pulled off and went through the trailer park. It was like a scene out of the moon. So you could it certainly looked like that tornado literally dropped and touched down for about 400 yards and everything in that 400 yard swath was literally destroyed, and then that thing picked up and got up off the ground, did not touch the expressway, and back off into the sky and the way it went. So I've never seen one of those scenes personally, but um, the other destruction in the place, that that trailer park, was just something I'll never forget. And luckily they were, I don't think they lost any lives in that tornado, am I correct? I want No, I think there were a couple of fatalities. Were they there? were all in the trailer park, but it was yeah. less than a handful, yeah, which right. looking at that destruction... Uh, uh, you know, incredibly fortunate. It wasn't much, much worse. Yeah, I, I know. I wasn't quite sure on the numbers. I do remember when I was in Austin, Texas, late 90s, doing my radio show, uh, an F5 tornado roared through uh, North Austin and went through a town called Gerald. And I think it's still one of the highest wind speeds ever recorded for a tornado. And I drove up there a couple days afterwards because I'd seen the photo of a subdivision housing where it had peeled the asphalt, the tornado had off the ground, and there was nothing left. Unbelievable. So the, this this was a subdivision, let's say, with 100 homes. You didn't see a piece of wood. You didn't see anything. And you saw how it was peeled like a, like a can, the asphalt off the ground. Unbelievable. In a relatively new subdivision, I think they lost... I want to say 30, 35 people in that subdivision. So, yeah, tornadoes are nothing. Though. Especially in Gaylord, Michigan, yeah. for crying Northern out loud. Northern Michigan, yeah. I work. Go figure, the weather. I mean, you just living in Oklahoma, Texas, it didn't become normal. But the TV guys in Oklahoma were rock stars. You talk about tours. They would do their tornado prevention or tornado safety tour. Can't really prevent a tornado. Uh, and they would go to different high schools all across Oklahoma, and there'd be 2,000 people would show up every school. The 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 weather guys made like seven figures in Oklahoma, and they were just, I remember Mike Morgan. One time I met him, he goes, you want my autograph? I'm like, damn, you're a weather guy. And he was flashy. He looked like he belonged in Vegas, and they would chase a tornado from north 
uh, New Mexico, they'd have their teams. This was, you know, long before everything with the phones. And they would, you'd watch this TV station nonstop for six hours, seven, eight hours to see if the weather was coming towards Oklahoma City. It was amazing. It was riveting. But man, tornadoes are nothing to mess with. Nope. Scary. Not at all. And and I hope everybody in Gaylord uh, listening in northern Michigan right now in the surrounding area that uh, you're doing well uh, on the road back. Mark Ewell in studio, executive director of the Michigan High School Athletic Association. If you have a high school comment, add Huge Show on Twitter, The Huge Show on Facebook. All of our social network interaction is presented by the Denver Nuggets G League team, the Grand Rapids Gold. Their first home game at Van Andel Arena is on Thursday night, November 10th. Get your tickets at Ticketmaster.com, the usual Ticketmaster outlets, and the Van Andel Arena box office. And follow the Grand Rapids Gold on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. From Detroit to Petoskey, this show is huge. It's time to go in the huddle. It's a new day to celebrate and be free. It's a new day full of action and excitement because it's a new day for winning only at Soaring Eagle Casino and Resort. It's a new day. Visit SoaringEagleCasino.com. The Wolverines handled business against in-state rival Michigan State by the score of 29-7 to bring Paul Bunyan home to Ann Arbor. Blake Horm continued his rushing onslaught by carrying the ball 33 times for 177 yards and a touchdown in the ballgame, while J.J. McCarthy was 15-25 of through the air for 167 and a touchdown as well. Michigan's Jake Moody was a perfect 5 of 5 on field goals, which included a 54-yard bomb and 2-for-2 two two on extra points for a total of 17 Michigan points. The game, however, will be marred by the events that unfolded in the tunnel at Michigan Stadium postgame, which included two separate instances where individual players from Michigan were jumped by Spartan players. There's been a lot of banter and finger-pointing going back and forth on Twitter and social media, but at the end of the day, isn't this all about accountability? Sometimes you just have to take your loss like a man. You had 60 minutes to fight on the football field. Why'd you wait for the tunnel? Pussifer Live. Existential Reckoning Tour. November 15th, 7.30, DeVos Performance Hall. Special guest, Nightclub. On sale now at Ticketmaster.com. New album, Existential Reckoning, out now. Let the probing continue. Huge here for my good friends on the DraftKings Sportsbook app, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. So the Pistons and the NBA season is underway, and right now everyone on the DraftKings Sportsbook app can get boosted winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. So they're providing the biggest payouts ever. So the huge question of the day is why bet on the NBA anywhere else except on the DraftKings Sportsbook app, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. And right now, as I mentioned, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Just go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, who will score the most from the Pistons, and other incredible ways for you to cash out. And like I said, with payouts bigger than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook is where I go to bet on the NBA. Just download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, and new customers can sign up with promo code HUGE and then place a stepped-up same-game parlay to boost your winnings up to 100%. 
This is only on the DraftKings Sportsbook app, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services Gambling Disorder Helpline at 1-800-270-7117. 21 and up in Michigan only, one boost per eligible game, opt-in required, 10-plus legs required for 100% boost. Parlay and wagering restrictions apply. Eligibility and terms at DraftKings.com slash basketball terms. You're listening to The Huge Show on the Michigan Sports Network. We are back on the huge show across Michigan, 19 radio stations strong. For the one close to you or where you'll be traveling all around the state, go to thehugeshow.net. If you miss any interview from today or any show or any hour, our podcasts are free and we are everywhere. Apple, Google, Spotify, iHeart, Podbean, and more. Just search The Huge Show where you download podcasts. Mark Hill, Executive Director of the Michigan High School Athletic Association, in studio with us, you have a comment or question when it comes to Michigan high school sports at Huge Show on Twitter, the Huge Show on Facebook. So, Mark, you mentioned what's next is always a topic of conversation with your team, your executive council, uh, your member schools. Uh, we talked about some of the changes post-pandemic. What are some things for you personally where you look at this and if you didn't have to go through the process of feedback from everybody things that you think would benefit high school sports today in Michigan, what would be on that list? So my starting point whenever I answer that question is, and and I check in with my colleagues, especially in Big Ten country, uh, very often. I want to know what the rules are in within the Big Ten footprint. And obviously when UCLA and SC come in, that's going to change that footprint a little bit. But I want to know what what uh, kids can do in Minnesota or kids can do in Maryland or kids can do in Ohio and Pennsylvania in terms of everything from non-school involvement to the travel rule to number of uh, regular season games that can be played. Because I think that we can give just that that normal run of the mill high school student a wonderful experience without jeopardizing. or uh, not providing an incentive for our top kids and our top programs to also get something out of the high school sports experience as well. You know, we've seen it a little bit here recently where, where you know, some fairly talented kids in our state have, have opted for the prep school route. And uh, so it, it's constantly looking inward and saying, okay, what do our rules allow? Because I truly believe that we can, if we can put our top kids in terms of opportunities on an equal footing of what's allowed in all of the other Big Ten state schools, um, whether it comes for you know college opportunities or, or the whole recruiting process, I think that's something that we have to do. So the, the challenge in that matrix is figuring out what ways you're going to be innovative. So, for example, we did one of those surveys, and we found that 20 regular season basketball games was at the low end in Big Ten country. Um, I think they're a little crazy in Illinois. Uh, Illinois' regular season high school basketball, they allow 31 regular season games. 31? Does 30. Michigan play 31 or Michigan State? No kidding. Um, but 31 games, which is at the high mark. And then there were 
there were a state that had 18 and a couple at 20. So we've made the move from 20 to 22, um, which our basketball community really, really liked. And now we're even having the conversation about what's the travel rule? What should the travel rule look like? Currently, we have what's called a border state rule to where you can go regardless of the miles into Wisconsin Illinois, we consider Illinois a border state, uh, Indiana, Ohio, and then we just added Minnesota because some of our West End UP schools, um, you're only a little over 100 miles into Minnesota where you can pick up hockey games and uh, ski meets. Um, so we're now having the conversation, well, do we keep our travel rule, but during those times for fall sports before school starts, for winter sports during uh, the two-week holiday break, and then obviously for spring sports during spring break. But would we ever say that you need to follow the travel rule except for two days of competition when school's not in session? Now, would that allow some of our top basketball teams in the Detroit area to participate in an event? Or would that allow... Or go to Vegas or something. Whatever. Um, Because, again, you look at what other states allow and don't allow... So it's that balance of making sure that you're putting our kids here in Michigan on equal footing of the other Big Ten states. The other side of that coin is you also need to figure out what are some of those kind of traditional values and old school old school beliefs that are worth hanging on to. And what I keep hearing over and over and over again is something we got to get back to is a focus on sportsmanship. And it's not even so much sportsmanship, Bill. And I think the events of what we saw at the end of the Michigan-Michigan State game here over the weekend, um, I would think that sportsmanship and just common decency and dignity is probably a lesson that everybody can hear right now. And But it's not just talking about that um, – you know, kind of in a in an ethereal way, but it's about it's practical things that if we don't change the culture in some of our areas right now of school sports, um, we right now have a hard time finding enough officials. And if our current officials are not feeling appreciated and respected, it's going to be impossible for us to keep our current officials as well as recruit and retain new ones. So it's not just being better sports for the sake of being better sports, but it's creating a better culture for coaches. It's creating a better culture for officials. It's, you know, having kids, uh, you know, I I think in sports, one of the most valuable things is you need to learn, learn to win with humility and learn to lose with some dignity and grace. And I just think the events of this past weekend for me only illuminate the fact that this is absolutely one of those traditional values that uh, we really need to get back to because that that's really the foundation where everything else grows. And by the way, we'll get into the 2022 Sportsmanship Summit, uh, which you do in multiple locations uh, across Michigan. Uh, for more than 20 years, MHSA has provided this Sportsmanship Summit experience to students across Michigan, and the summits are back now post-pandemic. Marquette, Saginaw sold out, Grand Rapids, Ypsilanti. We'll talk about that later. I did want to go back to... Uh, the spring breaks, the Christmas breaks, you know, uh, Labor Day weekend break, early uh, or mid-August when before school starts for teams to travel. I, I don't think it's out of line to say that a team could have a couple of days to go out of town and play a soccer tournament in August or Labor Day weekend or a baseball team. I, I think a baseball team traveling maybe even four days of the spring break to be able to play in a tournament, get some games in considering uh, the hit and miss weather in the state of Michigan and basketball during Christmas break. There's already a lot of local tournaments taking place. So why not let a team get on a plane? I know that may only cater to schools with money. So you're leaving other kids out, but 
at least give them the opportunity. How close are you to that? We're, I think we're, we're getting closer. Um, all the survey data that we got from our fall tour is, is kind of trended in that direction. And Bill, it's not only where our, our kids can go and travel and play, but even if our schools current under the current rule, if we stay within the border state footprint, we can only play other border state schools. So the, the concept is, well, should we even tweak that? That if a, a school over the holiday break wants to play in a basketball tournament in Indianapolis, well, currently when you're in Indy, you can only, the only schools that can be in that event are those from Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, Wisconsin, and Minnesota. Well, if you go to that event and the events within our travel rule, and if there's a team, uh, part of the event from Texas or California or, or keep filling Can't in the play blank them under your rules, right? So that, that I think think is something that that is going to change quite quickly and then i think on the heels of that conversation is um what limited ways because again money is not uh, limitless certainly at our level but again it's trying to thread that needle to serving the needs of the 97 percent of kids to where their last athletic experience will be at the high school level but yet our rules also being flexible enough that you are providing some real benefits and incentives for the top 3% of kids that, yeah, I can get something out of the high school experience. And you know what? Um, these extra opportunities, I'm at least on equal footing of what the kids have in all of the other Big Ten states. And I think that makes uh, some, some, uh, some logical sense. I think it makes incredible sense. And it kind of modernizes where high school sports is without losing uh, its impact and its meaning. Just like spring break, if a soccer team wanted to go to Texas and play games, uh, let them go. Uh, I, they, well, weather may prohibit them or limit them. And, and there's the balance, too, between if you have summer leagues going and spring break and Christmas break and Labor Day weekend, now, when do these kids get a chance to just be kids away from sports? True. And uh, I'm going to sound like the old guy here on my front porch. You do have, you, you have black socks and you have your uh, checkered shorts pulled all the way up. So you do look like the old guy. But as a 48-year-old who now has two sons in college, I look back at, at their high school years. And, and you missed it a blink, right? It went by so fast. But I look at the whole spring break thing, and now as a parent perspective, I feel a lot better if my kids are with their school's baseball coach on a spring break trip Amen. to Florida to where they're going to play, um, you know, they're going to scrimmage two or three days and they're going to play games on three or four days rather than, um, you know, Grant and his senior buddies are going to go to Cancun for a week. Oh. Um, so you even now get into some of those things to where if you, you really want what I think is a, it, it can be a fun trip um, and you're going to get some uh, some real value out of it. I Again, maybe I'm just that clueless sports dad, but I'd rather have my kids with the baseball coach than with the buddies in or, or softball or the soccer Anything. team. Anything. Fill, fill in that blank. Track team, track team wants to go to Tampa uh, out of Lansing and run in a meet. Let them go. I'd, and I think almost the two days of competition on that needs to be a little bit longer because yep. a tournament, it, at minimum four or five days. So yep. if a team wants to go down and schedule uh, or join a tournament, and plus if other states knew that Michigan had changed their rules, they'll invite their teams down. There's sure. some good baseball, good soccer, uh, great track and field at Michigan high schools, and it's a showcase for what Michigan does. You bet. Again, it's, it's a win-win. And again, it's putting our, I think our best kids deserve to be on equal footing of what goes on in some of the other Big Ten states. And and, and beyond the Big Ten states. I, I yep. see no problem with, because most teams are going on spring break trips anyways. They are. I'm talking baseball at least, because soccer's already in season and the schedule's underway. But they're going down there and they're working out 
Uh, they find a, a high school college field they can use, and they play inter-squad scrimmages. So why not let them play some games? You bet. And I, I, I know what some will say. Well, what about the schools that don't have the money? Well, maybe there's a way uh, to set up the ability for the Michigan High School Athletic Association or schools can request or somehow there can be some fundraising centered around spring break, Christmas break trips for teams. Yep, and there's a lot of creative ways right now Amen. in the world to, to, to make things happen that you want to make happen. So, yeah, a lot of conversation. Though, so to kind of ask what's on the, the what's next, uh, uh, those are some of the conversations that we'll, we'll start with our board uh, already next month. Uh, every time you're in studio, when I tell people or pre-promote it, uh, they ask me, what sports are going to be added next? And I ask you this question almost every single time you're on air because I just want people, hey, I asked them. Uh, so if you had to look two years down the road in the Mark Ewell Michigan High School Athletic Association crystal ball, and you would say two years from now there could be state championships in these new boy and girls sports at Michigan high schools, what would they be? So we just added girls individual wrestling. Right, and went well. Very it well. went very well. The next two, if you're going to add companion boy and girls sports, uh, the water polo folks are at the edge of the pool ready to jump in. Um, so that's, You don't want to get the water polo folks angry. No, you don't, because you'll end up at the bottom I, of the I pool. See a, I see an opportunity for... A lot of added sports yep. on both sides, don't you? It is. And then, well, with your, your listeners uh, over here in West Michigan, the announcement last week, my alma mater, I have a bachelor's degree. I'm, I'm an old guy, so I was a baseball player and alum of Calvin College. Well, Calvin University late last week not only added, and by the way, the attention that Calvin was adding football got all the attention. Um, which, by the way, Calvin will no longer have an undefeated football record here in a year or two. Um, they've been a powerhouse because yes. they've never played. Just like if the Lions never played a game, they'd be the powerhouse undefeated. NFL program undefeated since 1957. But the the announcement they made that really, I thought, got missed was the fact that they're sponsoring not just as a club team, but men's varsity volleyball smart move because once i believe our and it's not even so much what the michigan and michigan states are doing but it's what our small colleges here do all the way from the juco's to the naia schools the division three schools and the miaa even the division two schools in the gliac that once we become a college volleyball playing state in terms of the men's side um you know that that I don't know if pressure is the right word, but that push. Well, we need that opportunity for boys in Michigan. Um, so stay tuned on that. We're also looking at some other sports because certainly a an ad of boys volleyballs you would you know for Title IX purposes would need to also add a new opportunity for girls. We're actually surveying our schools here later on this year about uh, we every. Um, on a regular rotation, we do survey our schools for emerging sports. What are new sports in your community that may have some interest? So stay tuned on all that. But uh, uh, Girls ice hockey is probably on that list, right? That is certainly uh, on the radar. So we'll just kind of see how the next few months play out and what kind of feedback we get on the survey, and, and we'll see where that data takes us. And what does it take, again, to add a sport, at least 32 teams that field 
of 32 high schools that field teams in that particular new sport. So we do have, um, there is a regulation, which has been a little bit flexible. Um, ideally, you'd like to see 64 schools that sponsor it. You know, we've got 748 high schools, so 64, um, you know, a little bit less than 10%, obviously. But, you know, when we started boys and girls lacrosse, we did not start with 64. Um, that those sports have continued to grow. Um, so that's kind of a goal, but, uh, you know, we'll, we do take these on a, on a case by case basis. You know, the, the latest sports we added, um, both uh, boys and girls bowling and boys and girls lacrosse have seen great growth. And I, I really think it's a case bill of if you, if you build it, they will come. So once we sponsor it, um, I really think those numbers will grow and grow quickly. I personally think, and I think I said a couple of weeks ago when you were on the phone that adding girls flag football would create more interest locally than adding girls ice hockey. Yep. That's but, my opinion. Oh, it affect way more numbers. You want yes. to talk about impacting number and, and, of participants. And isn't that your goal? You want the, as many numbers in terms of somebody playing a sport when you introduce it. I think boys volleyball playing in the spring, you would get a ton of basketball players who don't play uh, baseball. And then I've heard from some track and field coaches saying, well, if we had boys volleyball in the spring, well, they can do both. They can go high jump and still uh, sure. volleyball practice and the meets and the and the gyms are open. That's the most important thing it in the is. spring. The gyms at Michigan high schools are open. And I think adding boys volleyball, I'm I'm hearing more from parents who are telling me because you'll, you'll meet the, the travel club basketball parent. Right. And I'll say, well, what does your son do in the spring? Well, we play summer basketball, so we want to get another sport. He's joined club volleyball. Mm-hmm. And you you have West Michigan, a lot of those schools, a like Galvin Smart, you you know, South Christian, Unity Christian, football, basketball, you're looking at the height there. Yep. And that's what's important in uh, boys volleyball. So I think that would be a that's a win win. Yep. But the game changer is gonna come, Bill, in our state when more of our small colleges offer that as a varsity level sport. Um Good that, move by Calvin University. I'd never heard that. I heard about the football move. Yep, but like I said, I think the most significant announcement really dealt with men's volleyball and not uh, so much football. All right, you mentioned sportsmanship. Uh, your summits are happening again post-pandemic in Marquette, Saginaw, Grand Rapids, Ypsilanti, where students come out, and you really stress the importance of sportsmanship inside Michigan high school athletic programs. We'll talk about that next. One final segment on the way with Mark Ewell, Executive Director of the Michigan High School Athletic Association. You can follow everything Michigan High School Sports. Our new website looks awesome, mhsaa.com, at mhsaa on Twitter. Follow them on Facebook, mhsaa, and also watch live and archive boys and girls high school sports on demand at mhsaa.tv. Everything huge, 24-7 at thehugeshow.net. BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks, unleashes the spirit of Las Vegas with BetMGM Rewards. Hi, this is Matt Shepard. Every time you make a wager at BetMGM, you can earn BetMGM Rewards points that you can redeem for online bonus credits like free bets. It's never been easier to join the action on the new BetMGM app, featuring a fresh redesign with improved features and quicker navigation. If you're planning a trip to Las Vegas, you can also convert your BetMGM points into MGM Rewards points that you can use towards dining, shows, and hotel rooms 
rooms at over 20 MGM resorts located on the Las Vegas Strip and nationwide. BetMGM Rewards is sports betting premier loyalty program, including exclusive offers, incredible experiences, and valuable perks when you wager with BetMGM. Sign up with BetMGM or log in today and take advantage of the BetMGM Rewards. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Michigan only. If you think you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Bill Simonson here for my good friend Tom Rosenbach. Now, he's a managing partner at Bean Carter. They're one of America's top accounting and business firms. They're based in downtown Grand Rapids. They now have merged with Dorn Mayhew from the east side of the state, and they're stronger than ever before in the state of Michigan, the Midwest, and coast-to-coast when it comes to your accounting and business needs. Find out more at beangarter.com. That's B-E-E-N-E-G-A-R-T-E-R.com. Also, Thomas stepped up with $1,500 in cash in the Beat Huge Pro Football Picks Contest. Now, if you beat my picks just one week, you'll be in the drawing at the end of the pro football season for $1,500 in cash from Tom Rosenbach and Bean Garter. Thursday night game is always a freebie. You have until Sunday morning to play every week through the big game. You can play once or play every week. Do what you want to, but get your picks in now at thehugeshow.net. Imagine this, a day filled with indulgence, bursting with excitement, and packed with extraordinary moments that build memories to last a lifetime. A day that is unmistakably yours, at the place that is undeniably spectacular. Whether you're winning big, dining lavishly, or relaxing oh so comfortably. It's your getaway reimagined at Soaring Eagle Casino and Resort. You're listening to The Huge Show on the Michigan Sports Network. Back on The Huge Show across Michigan, final segment. Mark Ewell, Executive Director of the Michigan High School Athletic Association. Good stuff today. Thanks, Bill. 24-7, everything you need with this show is at thehugeshow.net. Also, wherever you download podcasts, just search The Huge Show, and you can catch up and listen on your schedule. Big. Bad. Huge. 